are listening to the iFanboy 2007 Year End All Media Roundup. Sponsored by Jim Hanley's Universe and the Netflix. Welcome to the iFanboy.com 2007 All Media Year End Roundup. Who wrote Roundup? Yeah, Cowboy uh, did. Uh, we already did that show. Um, I am Josh, and I'm here with Connor. Hello. And Ron. Howdy. Now, at iFanboy, you may know we like comics, and we read them, uh, which is how we've gotten to like them. Uh, but there's also lots of other stuff that we that we talk about. We we talk about amongst ourselves, not on the air, and we. We watch all sorts of stuff and read all sorts of stuff and listen to things. Um, and every year, you've gotten this would be the third, third <laughs> annual. Oh, Jesus, third, third annual. annual. We like to talk about all that stuff in one big chunk. So we have a ton of stuff to get to. But movies and as, TV and music and IPTV and everything. Yes, yeah, Enjoy we're going to go through all of it. Um, we're going to talk about some stuff in review. Uh, so there could be some spoilers. But we'll try not to ruin everything for you. <laughs> we're going to um, ruin every TV show and movie warning. that came out in 2007. And then apparently Kaiser Jose was the same guy, and it was a guy. She's a man. She's a man. I've totally made that joke before (laughs) on this show. There it is. um, How did we get time to watch this stuff? I was shocked. We're going to start with movies. Well, we were really busy this year. Wait, before I mean, yeah. like we, I mean, collectively, I mean, we launched the video show this year, which is very cool, and 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 we um, have been doing a lot more with iFanboy this year. It's been really, it's been a good year for us. And I, when I sat down to review all the movies I saw yep. and all that kind of stuff, I, I personally was shocked. I'm like, oh, I got out more than I thought I did. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. It happens Thank every time. God for the TV strike. Yeah. <laughs> I got to do a lot well, of catching recently, up. Recently, though, yeah, yeah I, I, I'm surprised. Yeah. I think I went to yeah. 20 movies this year, which is a lot. All right, so let's dive into the movies. So, what's going to lead us off? Um, the first thing that I wanted to bring up was uh, Hot Fuzz, which uh, to me was Josh's idea of a perfect comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, while uh, I've parts of my life have made me learn to hate the British, uh, <laughs> I, I will say that uh, sometimes they get things very right. And Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright to me are just two guys who are. Saving British comedy, they—they really, they're. I mean, they've everything they do seems to be fantastic, and I'm a latecomer to it. Yeah, you know, I finally saw Shaun of the Dead this year, and then actually, I watched Hot Fuzz at your house, Josh, on DVD a couple of weeks ago, and it blew me away. I thought it was great. Yeah, so. yeah, you, you. Uh, I mean, when I watched Hot Fuzz, I, I laughed the whole way through. I'd heard from some people that there were dead spots. To me, it was just like a perfect script, and everything was hinted at in the beginning and built up and paid off, and it just—it was just fun, and it—it it wasn't dumb you know it wasn't it was just it went there was like comedy that was broad comedy that was funny for everybody and then there was stuff that was you really had to pay attention to really nice subtle humor and things like that a lot and, of satire combined yeah. with oh, that's, yeah. that's their signature though i mean even, even going back to the tv show space they, they always do they've got really broad physical slapstick but then there's also there was always really smart intelligent 
stuff that's almost throwaway humor that you don't yeah. get unless you're really paying attention to everything that's happening. In, in yeah, and, and I just, like, for me, that was the first comedy that I'd seen probably in a while, especially out of the Apatow circle of things uh, that anybody else is doing that I just I just loved that movie. You know what was great about Hot Fuzz? It was one of those great communal theater experiences where, yeah. you know, there's some things that are still, you can't beat going to a movie with a big audience, you know, for all the bad stuff that comes along with it now. But if you go to an audience movie with a great audience, which is what I did when I saw Hot Fuzz, mm-hmm. and they're into it and they're laughing the whole way through, there's nothing that beats that. And that yeah. was, Hot Fuzz really was that kind of movie. I have the ability to do that just on my own. I don't know if you've been <laughs> to a movie with me when I laugh. Um, I, I do know that because of it, every time we were watching Heroes this year and somebody used the uh, used the word the greater good, I would have to respond, the greater good, which apparently ruins it for people. I, I knew it. <laughs> It was Tobolowski every time. Yeah. <laughs> the greater Tobolowski. good. He's fantastic. So yes, Hot Fuzz is good. So um, for me, the the my top movie wasn't actually normally I kind of gravitate gravitate towards comedies and more lighthearted fare. But um, for me, my favorite movie this year was a bit darker, a bit kind of grimmer. Um, Zodiac. Um, and I want to say Dave it was, Fincher. It's Fincher. I wanted to say Aronofsky, but I knew it wasn't Aronofsky. No, it's, it's no, there was Fincher. a plot. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and what it was is that it was a uh, historical, uh, historical crime story, nonfiction about the Zodiac serial killer in San Francisco in the late, early seventies. Um, the it was a long, first off, it was a long movie. It was almost like there were two movies, but normally that's a problem, but it wasn't in this case. I mean, it was really <laughs> did good. You, did you see it in the theater? I saw it in the theater, yeah. Right. I saw it in the theater in San Francisco, which <laughs> made it even better. <laughs> but um, Sitting next to Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> but that was the thing that made it for me was the cast. I mean, between, and not, I mean, the obvious ones like Robert Downey Jr. plays a journalist and he's kind of doing his eccentric Robert Downey thing and Jake Gyllenhaal is the political cartoonist who gets obsessed with the case and starts investigating it. But the standout was Mark Ruffalo as the detective. Yes, yeah. Um, and, and Dr. Mark Green is his Green is partner. partner. Yeah, who needs to work more. Everything he does is He doesn't is need to work more. No, he yeah. doesn't. No, it, money <laughs> apparently got. he doesn't. He just works when he wants to work. Yeah. But um so yeah, it was just it was just really It was really, really good. Was really I, I rented that on Netflix. It kind of like it was the kind of thing where those aren't the kind of types of movies I go to see. It's really not your kind of movie, it's but not, it really but, was. Yeah, but I was drawn to it cuz I like that story. I'm uh, I Well, know it's a fascinating. That, yeah. It's a fascinating tale. Yeah. Yeah. even the um even the supporting actors in that movie, like John Carroll Lynch. Yeah. Drew Carey's brother on the TV show, just from out of nowhere, creepy ass. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Uh, however, I could always do without what's her name. Uh, oh, Chloe yes, Seven. Chloe Seven. Yeah, 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 I don't me. ever. So can I, for more uh, reasons than you need to know. She's just every Morrissey show, and she just stands there. For all right, all right. Um, anyway, but it was really. The Zodiac was really good. Zodiac was awesome. Yeah, yeah. it was thumbs um, up all around. Uh, my, I think I was trying to, you know, going through this list, we, we picked out our, we're going to everybody's top five movies of the year, um, in no particular order. But for me, the movie I keep thinking of more and more as I think, what well, what did I enjoy the most was a mo- movie called Once, which not a lot of people saw. It's a little independent film from Ireland, um, that came and came. It's actually done really well, but it's still, it's a lot still, of the right people saw it. Though. The right people yeah. have seen it, yeah. but, um, I mean, neither planned. one of you guys saw it, right? Yeah. I didn't even hear of it until after you'd seen it. That's not unusual. I don't yeah, I haven't well, yeah. had time you to look out. You got me at a time where I didn't. I wanted to see it, but I didn't get to the theater in time, right. but it's on my queue. So. Yeah, um, yeah, mine too. It's 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 basically, it's it's a love story. It takes place over a course of about a week, you know, but to, and it's it's mostly improvisational. It's really about, you know, there's a lot of music involved, and it's all about two musicians who meet and fall in love over the course of a week and the music they create together. And it's it was really powerfully emotional like one of those movies that really sticks with you and the performances are great um glenn hansard who was in the commitments he was the he was the 
guitarist and the commitments. Oh, oh, the curly haired dude. The curly haired dude with okay. the long, the red hair. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I remember him. The commitments is one of my favorite. That was so, great. Oh, it's it's a fantastic. What's great movie, about yeah. the ones, which I didn't realize until I saw the commitments again later, was that at the end of commitments, all, it shows you where all the characters are, and his <laughs> character's playing guitar in the street in Dublin. Yeah. And that's where once opens with the same guy on the same street playing playing he would, guitar. He wore for like money. a he, he was wearing like a beret in the commitments. Right. Well, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. no. I mean, know, I just remember the nineties. So. It's it was, <laughs> it was the early nights. It was a bunch of non actors. Fuck off. The the director was also a musician. Like it was Roy, a bunch of non. Sally, Roy. <laughs> sorry, that's the one. we're not talking about that movie. I'm sorry. Oh, um, okay. uh, if you love music, it's a great. I mean, it's yeah, a great I film. It's, it. it's 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 a music really great love story. It's a romance. Um, the two main actors are now together. Yeah. They oh really? Fell, they fell in love making the movie. And oh wow! When you sing and look in each other's eyes like yeah. that, like when we podcast and we look at each other's yeah. eyes, we hug afterwards. I fall in love with Josh a little bit every every week. Yeah. Um, That's but, why Skype's easier. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot less awkward. <laughs> um, so, but once if you like music, if you like romance, it's independent film. It's a great little movie, um, and I can't recommend it highly enough. I actually bought it for two people for Christmas. Well, you didn't buy for us though. But I've got it on DVD now if you want it. Uh, so I think that we'll do this as a twofer sort of thing. But uh, if you if you were into comedy this year and you weren't watching British stuff. Um, it's a good year. Both Super Bad and Knocked Up. Uh, I think we're sort of the two American standout comedies. Uh, both from a financial perspective uh, and and being real good. Um do you did you did you have a preference, Ron? Well, it's tough because there are two. There are two. Both. I think there were generally. I mean, they, I don't think there were surprises to us knowing the people involved and and the people that were in the movies and stuff like that. But I think they were a surprise to the general public in terms of like I don't think I don't think America was ready for Seth Rogen or knew Seth Rogen would be a, a star. Mm-hmm. And with Superbad, same thing. Where like I thought Superbad was going to be in the theater like two weeks and then out. You know, I didn't think it would be do it nearly as good as it did. Yeah. Um, different kind of things, though. I mean, like Superbad, more along the lines of the the teen kind of the teen wackiness mm-hmm. kind of comedy, but knocked up with a bit of the romantic comedy. But yeah, um, they both made me laugh. I thought they were both great. They're both really well done. Um, I think it's I think, hard for me to choose one. Actually. I think from a comedy perspective, you're just going to laugh. Yeah. Uh, I think it'd be hard to beat Superbad. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Which was. Funny all the way through. Yeah, it hit every note that you want to do with that. It was, it was just, it was dirty enough so that it made you sort of go, "Oh my <laughs> word!" But also at the same time, it was just sweet enough that you forgive that. Yeah. So it isn't just raunchy of, for a, the sake of that. And a lot of that is due to a lot of that is due to Michael Sarah. I think Michael Sarah yeah. is. I mean, he was great in Arrested Development. We mm-hmm. loved him, and I think Superbad kind of put him on the like. And I haven't seen it yet, but I really want to see Juno. Yeah, um, that he's in, and it's literally like he's becoming. And what I'm, it's kind of it's a double edged sword because like I really like him and I want to see everything he does, but I'm afraid of. I'm, Everything he does is going to be him in everything. Oh that yeah, he does, no, that would you know be really mean? great. Would, yeah, yeah, exactly. No. Uh, <laughs> Jonah Hill, uh, yeah. today's new Jack Black, yeah. uh, <laughs> who can play sixteen or thirty. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, seem to matter. He, yeah. Well, five, five, five movies in, and I'm gonna. This, I think Knocked Up was not good at all. Oh, I liked it. I don't know, but it, it depends. Yeah. because well, the thing is, is that I think both had criticism to him. Like Superbad, I thought there was. Uh, I didn't think it was as refined as it could have been. Like the whole middle part, like the second party, I didn't think was needed. Like the like there were parts of it that I felt were Superbad is about twenty minutes too long. Yes, exactly. And, yeah, I'll give you that. And, but it's still funny. It was still funny as hell. Yeah, and Knocked Up, I could see. I, I heard a lot of creative criticism in Knocked Up, where like somebody who described was it you who described it? Someone described it. It was like um, it was people who have kids, and then all you hear about is what yeah. it's like to have kids. Yeah. No, it's an entire Connor, movie Connor just was like personally, that. Yeah. Connor was personally offended by Super I, or by I, Knocked I just, Up. It just like it seemed like a bunch of guys got to the age where they got married, had kids, and decided they wanted to make a movie about how great it was. 
Possibly, and I could see that. People like that in real life are annoying to me. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to pay ten bucks to sit through two hours of it in a movie. But the thing is, is that I really like Seth Rogen, and also I, didn't and I really like Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd, Paul Rudd had a classic scene. Paul Rudd, Paul Rudd was really yeah. good in it. He was They're probably the chair chairs. He was. If it hadn't been for Paul Rudd, I would have really been pissed off. But I mean, I thought it wasn't as funny even as it should have been. I think and I don't know that Seth Rogen is funnier. leading man. I was not mm. annoyed. I don't know if he isn't, but I know Jason Siegel isn't in the upcoming oh, one that yeah, they're doing. Oh, yeah, that one looks rough. The one that I yeah. saw the trailer for that one. I'll tell you I that. Like, oh. I, you know, the worst, to me, like the worst yeah. parts of, of Knocked Up were, were like the friend buddy stuff because yeah. it was yeah. like, yeah. you're just shooting this because you have them around. It wasn't really all that funny. Right. Um, no, Paul Rudd, I think. Paul Rudd was. He great. made that movie. He, I actually, think if you look I'm, at Knocked Up compared to Superbad, you look at it compared to 40 Year Old Virgin. It's not even, I mean, comedy wise, well, yeah. it's not even in the same. But they're different realm. types of, but they're different types of movies. Yeah, like I don't think Knocked, knocked Up is supposed to knock you over funny. Yeah. yeah. So, but I, I really, really enjoyed it. I also really like the design of the posters and stuff. So that was important yeah. to me. Well, yeah. Uh, either way, uh, Seth Rogen is now the youngest, richest person you can think of. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Aren't the Olsen twins still pretty young? Yeah, they're pretty uh, yeah. Well, I know who they're I care rich. about. Uh, uh, how about Bill Gates' kids? Um, switching gears really far. No country, <laughs> no country for old men. Oh, uh, I didn't. I didn't make it. I tried my damnedest. It. This is this is one of the most polarizing films of the year that I've read about. That's People either love it or re- hate it. That's somebody yell at me last night for recommending it. Yeah. Um, why it is because it's not traditional at all. It's Coen Brothers film of a Cormac McCarthy novel it is their best movie I think I've decided from having watched Fargo was great um, uh, Lebowski Lebowski's great but this is this you go see this movie this is this you is like them Raising going, Arizona Josh Arizona. made a face at Raising Arizona yeah, how can well, you make a face at Raising Arizona I never really did anything for I really have a strong anti-Nick Cage-ness He's great. Yeah. He's great. He, he, he might be. He's, no, he's I, I, yeah, he's fantastic. I'm yeah. not saying it makes sense. All right, so No Country for Old Man is is the problem with it, I think, is 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 a lot of it has to do with it's not meant for everybody because it's, it's not traditional film. In that you watch the trailer and you think it's about uh, Josh Brolin's character finding money and then um, Javier Bardem, uh, crazy hitman, tracking him down to get the money back, and that's part of the movie, but it's not what the movie's about. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is that storyline goes for about 70% of the movie and then it switches gears to, to focus on what the movie's really about. People had a hard time dealing with that. If you're going in there for the straight-up thriller, you're going to be disappointed by the last half hour of the movie. Hmm. Um, so if that's, that's, that's what I think people are having a hard time dealing with. It's really not about that. It's, it's about what the, what the title says is that the movie's about Tommy Lee Jones' character realizing he's too old for the world. No. Like, the world has passed him by. It's too mm-hmm. violent. He's the sheriff, and it's, it's too much for him, and he's time to move on. Now, did you see, um, the, the, I think it was The Man Who Wasn't There? No. I did see that. I saw that. The Gandolfini, the black and white one. Was it Gandolfini in that? It was yeah. Billy Bob Thornton. And Gandolfini. Yeah, Gandolfini. Gandolfini. I, don't, I, don't yeah, I saw that. Maybe. That was really good. Yeah. I like that. See, that movie bored me to tears. Oh, I like that. I, uh, and this, you haven't seen it, so I guess. This, I think, won't bore you because... Um, it's first of all, it's it's completely beautifully shot. It's, yeah. Gandolfini's the boss in that. His boss. Yeah, Gandolfini mm-hmm. was right, right, yeah. right. Um, it's really funny. I mean, it's it's got the the Coen yeah. Brothers funniness, but it's also Javier Bardem is freaking terrifying in it as the uh-huh. hitman. And he was terrifying in just the trailer. Yeah, and he's he's ten times more terrifying. And the action stuff and the suspense stuff is really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, from a thriller standpoint, it's a really great section of that. But then you realize that's not what the movie's about, and people who aren't into that are going to hate it. Okay. Um, I think I could get. I, I mean, I th- I'm definitely looking. Tommy Lee to Jones it. is amazing in it, and he's. I heard a rumor. It wasn't a rumor. It was in Esquire. The Coen Brothers wrote a little thing about how they hired Josh Brolin on mistake. Yeah. 
like where they had, also really they had meant to hire his dad, but they signed the contracts and everything because they'd said the name wrong, and so they had James to. Rowland. Yeah, they had they had, they ended up having to have him because they'd done all the work. That's too funny. No, I don't know if they were just screwing around. I haven't done the research, but that was by yeah. the Coen Brothers specifically. I just think that's funny. Um, but that that was that was really really good movie. I really liked it. If you want to talk about a movie that a trailer came out for and I got really excited for for months and months and months ahead of time, it was uh, American Gangster. Indeed. Um, every time the trailer would come on, I'd be like, "Oh man, when is November coming?" Because it can't be too soon. Because you put you put you put Russell Crowe with Ridley Scott, and it makes me happy, much yeah. more happy than when you put Russell Crowe with, say, Ron Howard. <laughs> um, that doesn't make me as happy. And then you throw in Denzel Washington, who can sort of go either way. He's either going to be in a really boring, forgettable movie, and he might be good in it, but it won't matter because I didn't go see it. Like right. the one with the explosion in the trailer. I thought you were making a joke no, about, no, no. about like when he was in the like he took over the hospital or something. I don't know. No, that was the, John yeah, Public. Was junkie yeah, Public. Wow, you're junkie a regular IMDb. Yeah. Um, but I went into American <laughs> Gangster, which was a fairly long movie. And, I'm so pissed I didn't get to see it. Yeah, I, and, now here's my problem with that is that I tried to see it seven times and every time seven seven times and every time looked at it on movie phone and looked at the running time and go yeah I don't want to go movie. Well, that long. this this and my I point. Missed, I know I missed it. You know, this is like, my point I was going to make. I didn't look at my watch once. You see, yeah, in a movie like yeah, that, yeah. Um, that's so important. In a movie like that, every every single time I noticed this every single time that you started to feel like the plot needed to go somewhere it did yeah. it was uncanny well I mean it's Ridley Scott so he should he's, be fairly he's, good he's at it he's a master filmmaker there's no yeah no. Um, I just it was I, I'm not saying it was a great movie it wasn't right. like oh my god this is amazing everybody needs to own it but I totally had fun watching it I totally saw um, Russell Crowe doing just just when, when Russell Crowe does really good work I think he's one of the best guys out there no he um, is yes. easily and, and it's it's it's, I'm I'm pissed at myself. I didn't get to see it. I tried to see it before they did the show, but I just didn't didn't get. A and it's to. a period piece in America, and like you kind of don't know who to root for. And then afterwards, you go back and you read about those people, and it's fascinating. It's yeah. just a Same great thing story. Like with Zodiac, where it's all yeah. based on true people. And exactly. All that. Yeah. So. Um. I just I had a ton of fun. It's this is one of those big movies that's actually really good. So that was that was interesting. Yeah, it's our second Denzel and Ridley Scott's second pairing. Yes, and and also if you remember Virtuosity. Russell Russell Crowe's breakout movie was Virtuosity. Virtuosity and, Denzel. Yeah. 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 Um, so one of the movies I went to see instead of seeing American Gangster <laughs> um, that was shorter um, was actually a movie called Control, which is a little indie movie. Which and I, I know for a fact you guys didn't see it. I don't think it got up on your radar. But the main this is the I Janet Jackson it, album. Yeah. Now the main reason I would see it is that uh, Anton Corbijn directed it. You might remember him from uh, music videos in the early '90s, like uh, "Give It Away," the Red Hot Chili Peppers video, and he's also it. a big photographer. He did a bunch of stuff with YouTube and stuff like that. Um, he directed uh, basically uh, it's the Joy Division movie. Um, it's about Ian Curtis, the singer. Oh. Um, and I'm, I'm um, assuming that's why you went to see yes, it. Yes, <laughs> that's why I see it. And that's kind of an. We're, you know, I'm not going to mention this in the music section, but this year, uh, the past couple of years, has kind of been a Joy Division renaissance for a lot of people. Actually, remembering and realizing how great Joy Division was or is as a band. Um, and a fascinating story because you know the kind of meteoric rise from the Manchester scene and you know kind of late kind of post-punk kind of period and um the singer ian curtis was uh, he was epileptic and he had a lot of um had a lot of difficulties in life and ends up ultimately killing himself which leads to new order forming as a band and going off did there. you just spoil the movie but no well no um but what's really interesting the movie was it was all in black and white um it was you know typical kind of mu- music biopic in that you know kind of where you see them mm-hmm. the meet and then they form the band and they play some gigs and get bigger and bigger, right. and bigger all that stuff um but what was interesting from a historical standpoint it's based on um ian curtis's wife's account of it 
Um, and the problem was is that he married. They got married very, very young. They had a child. Um, and then he became kind of like this rock star. And he met some chick from Belgium and shacked up with her. And tried to and then tried to break it off and his wife has got a famous uh, 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 anecdote or saying about his death she's saying you know did Ian commit suicide because he was married or did or no was, Ian was depressed because he was married or was he did he get married because he was depressed um, and it kind of is very heavy on her point of view so much to the point where it has them walking and he says to her he like apropos of nothing they're walking home and he goes do you ever want to sleep with other men and she's like, no. And he's like, well, if you did, it'd be okay. How many times do you think like, that that's And actually... she's like, when you say things like that, it makes me think you don't love me. And then she walks away. And it's like, I don't think he really said that. It's like... <laughs> I've met a lot of dudes yeah, who said that in some ham, but, ham-fisted attempt. Yeah, but, but either way, if you're a Joy Division fan, it's a mu- it was a must-must-see because the music was awesome and it was great. And if you saw 24-Hour Party People from a couple of years ago, this definitely had a lot of the same people in it. Like the, oh. the, the Not the same actors, but the oh. same people that were based in the movie. So, okay, I was, like was going to say that. That would be neat. It would be neat, but yeah. But actually, it's funny because there is a connection because the... The guy who plays Joy Division's band in Control was in a movie where he played the brother of the guy who played Joy Division's manager in 24-Hour Party People. So, like, there's a weird connection. That's anyway, nonetheless, so it was really good. Control for Music Freaks. Go for it. Um, I'm going again with a really controversial film or, or polarizing film. Across the Universe. I wanted was, to see so badly. was the Beatles um, uh, musical. And well, it wasn't by the Beatles. No, but it was, but, yeah. it was all the musicals from the Beatles. People I, I see either really loved it or really hated it. Yeah. Like, there's no in-between. I saw the trailer and decided I hated yeah. it. Josh hated it from the trailer. I wanted to see it from the trailer. Um, didn't get to the it. reason why, I, I was going through the list of movies I saw, and I, I kept coming coming back to this movie. I wasn't sure I was going to put it on the list. But then I thought, there's only two films I saw this year that are definitely going to be buying on DVD. And one was one, which I already bought. And I'm definitely going to buy Across the Universe. So that, that, for me, puts it into the, um, the list for me. But why I mean, are you going to buy it? The music was great. Um, it was inventive the way they used it. it I really, I mean, it's not a complex story. It's a musical, so it's not like you know, uh, it's about a guy named Jude and and a, and a right. you know he is hey through. yeah Jude. <laughs> um, and it, it, I mean, it, it, remi- it, was, it reminds me of the Baz Luhrmann movies. Yes, yeah. but it's um, directed by what's her name? Yeah, uh, oh. the one who does movies. She do thirteen. Yeah, which yeah, is yeah. horrible. For fucking movie um i heard the eddie izzard scene was the, the big low point really i really yeah. liked it uh, i heard a lot of people were like it's see because people either I yeah think, yeah it's polar so the, other, the other thing is i have the soundtrack and i also listen i've been listening to that more than anything lately so i have think i thought about just listening to the beatles i mix it up I but um <laughs> it, the music was really good the performances were really good I and mean, it's just it's it's hard to describe it's not a traditional film you know it's a musical, but it's not a traditional musical either because the, sometimes the music's contextual because some of them are musicians. But sometimes it's like wacky, like uh, Baz Luhrmann-type set pieces. Like the Eddie yeah. Izzard piece was like out there, but they're all tripping, so that makes right. sense. And then she sometimes... Did, she didn't do 13. I got that wrong. Nice. Good Just job. don't want to... You know, it's She did Frida. Uh, oh, Frida was and, good. And Titus. Oh, interesting. Uh, those are the only movies. What was her name? Uh, Julie Taymor. Julie Taymor, right, right, right. Okay. Um, so sometimes it's contextual music. Sometimes the music is set pieces. Sometimes it's it's like traditional music where they break out in song while they that moves the story along. So 
Um, I saw it. People I saw it with had a really good time. People it's, at the theater had a really good time. It's it, funny because the musical is not a dead genre, but it's a dying genre. I they feel like they yeah. And a lot There's, of people they need gimmicks to for music between uh, across the universe and then recently Sweeney Todd. Oh my god, I have two musicals on this list because yeah, once is basically musical. Yeah, but it's not a musical musical. Well, no, but it, so a lot of it is music. Yeah. But like a lot of people had a hard time with Sweeney Todd, which just came out. Yeah. Like, Tim Burton because that's ba- basically a musical, and like I haven't seen it yet. I want to see it because I love Burton. I love Depp, but um. But I know the the biggest complaints I saw coming from it is just like it's just all music and like people forget like yeah like a lot in the fifties and sixties a lot of movies were musicals and and I kind of missed that so that's they also had it. segregation in the South so <laughs> take it there yeah but these, these, this is yeah. good though but I mean uh, this was a, I I enjoyed this cool. I mean it's not a, it wasn't the writing wasn't great you know but it was it was just a lot of fun. I had a lot of, I had a good time and I want to see it again. So that's, that's to me, that's, that's hey, listen, clearly I'm just too self-aware to be able to enjoy myself in that kind of thing. That's all. That's why I don't like musicals. Um, <laughs> but you like blockbusters. Yeah. I just looking at my list and I'm like, what the hell's wrong? With I'm trying to live down my image, my comic <laughs> book image, because the next thing that I wanted to talk about, uh, was I am legend. Now, um, I've been Will Smith. Now you guys remember uh, some of the other movies that we've talked about in the past, and perhaps I'm the one who who most poo pooed many of them. I believe you you are correct. I don't so. know why I went to see this movie. Yeah. Uh, I thought the trailer was really good. Yeah, no, it does look good. I want to see. I do. I see thought, it. well, that's kind of a neat idea, and I didn't. Well, it's it, a famous book. It's yeah, a, it's, it's been famous. made. This is like the third time it's been made. Yeah, but I'd never heard about it. So oh, you never saw the Omega Man? Huh? Omega Man? No. Oh. I don't know anything. I just I look like a film school dude, but I don't know <laughs> anything. Um, Made before 1977. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> the only good movie from that time is Butch and Sundance. Whatever. Um, no, but I thought it was a neat. Uh, it's just a. It, and now they can do that kind of thing. So, anyways. I went and I had looked at some of the reviews and I kind of thought, well, it's going to be like every other Will Smith movie where I'll think he's kind of good, but overall the movie will suck. I didn't think so. I didn't think it sucked. And that was almost good enough for me. I had fun. Um, stuff that was really cool about it was that it was takes place in New York City um, after everyone is dead. So he's the only person still alive there except for a bunch of monsters. Um, vampires. You'll see the whole thing. Um, and that part was really cool. And maybe that's because I live here now, but well, the whole the whole empty city aspect. Yeah, the empty yeah. city thing was really cool, and I just found myself going, "How did they shoot this? Like they had to pay to shut down Fifth Avenue during the day." Did they actually? Was it shot on location? Yes. No shit. A, really? a lot of it was. Oh, wow. I remember Lindsay was telling me one time that she had come through on Fifth Avenue, and there was the grass was still oh, the yeah, set dressing yeah. was still up everywhere. Oh, wow. You know, so fascinating it was really cool i mean and and the one thing that always happens to me is i watch movies like this and i find myself nitpicking them a lot like um i just saw a really horrible movie from this year called fracture and i just couldn't get through it because i was just like this doesn't make sense it's stupid but this one you know i didn't i just let myself get lost in it and i I had a lot of fun with it and it's what's kind of cool is that basically most of the movie is will smith and a dog you know it's like castaway yeah which i couldn't even get through Mm. Um, uh, we'll talk about Tom well, Hanks later. Will Smith is interesting because, against all odds, I find him compelling. Absolutely, oh, I, like, I'll sit watch anything. Like he, yeah. he's really, he's really charismatic on screen. And you, just, I mean, I, I, he's wa- fun. I he's, yeah, he's, he's. You no, know. but see, though, I don't. I'm never interested in watching the comedies that he did. But like, it, I find with him, like, it happened to me with Independence Day. Is that I went to see it and I was like, that was great. And then the yeah. second that I set my little brain to thinking about it, I went, wait a minute, wait a minute, you fooled me. That movie was terrible. When you watch <laughs> no, it again, you great. see it. Well, that movie was terrible. <laughs> and it was just no, it's just awful. But you know what? 
I thought this movie was really good. It was scary. They never. There was a couple of times where they had choices to make, and they could have gone with the dumb choice, like you know, you know, where where at the end of World War of the Worlds when they open up the door and everything in Boston is fine and it's beautiful. Oh oh, God, that ending kills. Right, they can do that, or they can great movie up till then, or they could do the other thing. And a lot of times in this movie, they made the choice to do the other thing. And I had read that people like, well, at the end it falls apart. I loved the end, which is because maybe because people don't like it when you make that rough choice. Right. Oh yeah. But they did. I also think I think people who read the books. Didn't had more of a problem with it, so maybe it oh, that's that, very it probably possible. helps that you didn't have to read that's, the books. Yeah, that's yeah. very, very same thing possible. with Lord of the Rings. I don't read. Really? No, I read the Lord of the Rings books. No, but I mean, books. a lot of people who criticize Lord of the Rings, right? Read. More, more people who did, didn't purist. read the books. So, yeah. so there it is, the big blockbuster action movie of the. Now this season. year, lots of comic book movies came out, and we had yes. shows and all of them. So we're not going to really go in depth, but like Fantastic Four and Spider Man and right. and Ghost, Ghost Rider, Rider and, and uh, other. Yeah. shit because those were mostly in 30 shit. Days uh, of Night, night. in case you've forgotten, forgotten about that already yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. not a lot of good ones but there was one really good one yes yeah, uh, 300 to me is, is wins the, the best comic book movie award for the year if you ask me that the was only the DVD one. I bought yeah I bought it too and that was and it was that, and purely it was the the uh, true to form to the comic book you know there were you know of course there are different choices and stuff like that but like pretty much it's the in, intent in, the intent was there the spirit um, the look and feel was there um, and we had a blast seeing it. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, like, and, for, and and literally for weeks. I mean, look at what's happened. Still now, people are are saying, you know, uh, or you know, say tonight we dine in hell and right. for yeah. Sparta. Like, you know, eight eight months later. Right. Yeah. You know, I know, I know. I saw somebody Twitter that um, uh, their Christmas Eve tradition now is watching three hundred. I don't know what that is. I don't, but, well, you can't really call it. It's only happened once. Yeah. Well, no, no. But I'm just saying. I mean, like, if if a movie resonates that much, then right. it must have done something right. Sure. So yeah. And for me, it really kind of cemented that I'm not worried about Watchmen. Yeah. And so. I think that that's for me is the most remarkable thing about it is that I don't really think that. I'm hoping – I don't think it's going to ruin the book for me now. No. Right. I guess, I guess yeah. that's what I mean. Because like, I think director Zack Snyder didn't really know a lot about going into 300, kind of iffy, wasn't really mm-hmm. sure. This was kind of like his opening act, and yeah. he nailed it. So, um, yeah. No, that, was, that was a great time in the movies. It's yeah. let me give him the benefit of the doubt. Exactly, exactly. And that's no small thing from a person like me. <laughs> no, I mean, it's no small thing for I – think, I think a lot of comic fans feel the same way that you do. Is that yeah. People who were very virulently against Watchmen are now not as virulently against Watchmen, right? Which is a minor miracle. <laughs> we'll be like, well, we'll see what happens. Um, another, I loved Three Ten to You. Oh, damn it! It's another one you got to that I didn't make it to. Uh, Russell Crowe again <laughs> oh. and Christian Bale, and it's just, it's just a straight up western. It's By the way, just really, does it seem like Christian Bale never not work? You got to ride he's, the iron Christian, hot. Has yeah. Christian Bale ever not been intense? No, it's never not been good. <laughs> he's actually not as intense in this. One. He plays. Um, basically, it's it's a straight up. I mean, it's a, it's a remake of a classic western with uh, Glenn. I think it's uh, Henry Ford, uh, Glenn Ford. Uh, you can Josh is going to look it up. Henry Ford. Henry Ford. A lot he of, made a model T's and he yeah, acted a lot of assembly lines. Yeah. Yeah, um, Fonda. Henry Fonda. Henry Fonda. Yeah. Um, uh, basically, Russell Crowe's a big bad, you know, criminal, and he gets captured, and they got to bring him to the three ten to Yuma train to the prison. Yeah. And the posse. Christian Bale's a farmer. He he needs cash. He goes along with the posse. Yep. Get him to the train. Cool. It's basically, you know, it's a it's tried and true Western story. Get the criminal to the train on time. His gang's coming to stop the posse. Lots of shootings. No. Weird cameo from Luke Wilson out of nowhere. Um, Glenn Ford. Glenn Ford. Apparently, Ford? Yeah. apparently, it says the the 1957 version. Uh, the writer, the story is by Elmore Leonard. Yeah, wow. no, it's it's an Elmore Leonard story, which would make him a billion years old. He's old. Yeah. Wow. Um, but this, if you love westerns, this is a great. This is a great. I can't, a great shootout at the end. Um, we're getting running through the town to the train station. I, I can't. I can't and wait to see this movie. Christian Bale and Russell Crowe are great together. Yeah, uh, they have a great chemistry. Um, 
Russell Crowe's the prototypical charismatic bad guy. Mm-hmm. Who, you know, he's great at. Oh, he's um, really good at that. You know, but but he's 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 for a while you start to think, oh, he's not so bad. But then he mm-hmm. he he does. No, he yeah. Bad. And Ben Foster plays the second in command bad guy who's really evil in it. Um, I just watched. It's the... just a, it's just like you know the really good solid western. If you like western stories, this is the kind of film for you. It's not for you, Ron, but it's. I don't know. I'll try I think you would enjoy yeah. the performances, but I mean, yeah, like, I don't have the hard on for westerns like right, you guys do. So, right. well, not that I dislike them. I'm just saying, right. I'm just not. You know, I want to fuck them like you guys do. Yeah. Well. Um. <laughs> and it, and it, and it got weird. God, that's weird. <laughs> we're not Actually, even... do you want to talk about a movie that I would I would make sweet, sweet, sweet love to? What is that? Oh God. Okay. So not not too long ago, uh, I heard that there was a movie coming out written by Aaron Sorkin. Now that's enough. To make me go, oh, that's fun. But who's directing it? But it's Mike Nichols, oh, oh who's my. maybe done a couple of little movies you might have heard of. You know, <laughs> maybe, you know, even if he'd only done The Graduate. Yeah. Um, and then they say Tom Hanks. Now, I don't that's think the, that's the fork in the road. <laughs> well, right. See, the, yeah. he could go either way. For me, that's a good thing. He's usually good, he's but great. he's he's done some movies that I'm not so interested in. Eh, it's too bad. But the dude, when he when he wants to and things align, he can act his butt off. And and oh, it, it's, for me, it's always when. When you forget that you're watching Tom Hanks, and that's when you know, wow, this is something special. And for me, I loved – I literally – I kept looking over at my wife during this movie and What's going – What's the movie called? Uh, I'm sorry. Charlie Wilson's War. And I was just like – the details. <laughs> well, I have it on a list. You so got busy. the creators down. That was good. Now we just needed the title. I have it on a list in front both. of me. So it I figure if, if I just send this to everybody who listens to it, email me. I'll send you the Here, script. Take a look at the rundown. Um, I, I just kept looking at my wife and going, I- I'm in love with this movie. They made a movie – just for me, and it was like it's Aaron Sorkin, which is poignant and weighty and historical, but also like funny and and like just you know whip cracking dialogue. And, I have a, I have a lot to say about this when you're done. Um, and 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 in and, and, and in the middle of it, I also looked over and I was like, oh my god, Julia Roberts is acting. Yeah, like she's actually not being Julia Roberts. No. She's playing a character. Um, great cameos from other actors. Not even cameos, but just like actors who show up when when. Uh, uh, there was a really strange cameo from wasn't Emily Blunt nominated for an award for um, for uh, the uh, fashion movie uh, Devil Wears Prada. Oh, was yeah. she nominated for Golden Globe? Maybe she she has a cameo basically in her underwear. That's her whole. She's nice. the daughter that he sleeps with. Oh, tra- he almost sleeps. I thought with. she looked vaguely familiar. Yeah, she's her whole cameo is to be in her underwear. But um, I haven't seen this yet. I plan to when when uh, Ned Beatty shows up. Ned Beatty. Like, oh, oh my I love Ned God, Beatty. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Good awesome. Yeah. He he owns the movie. But yeah, despite the mustache? Because, because of the mustache. Of, yeah, because he, of the, yeah. he 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 yeah. creates this character He's that is utterly his character's fantastic. Oh, it's yeah, so amazing. good. And, and and even the John Slattery scene. John's, well, John Slattery when that, you need somebody the from the sixties or seventies. There's two two of the best scenes in the movie are Philip Seymour Hoffman. One is the argument with John Slattery in the mm-hmm. beginning, and then the other one is the um whole in and out of the office scene with the Oh God. That, that was a great scene. But all right, I saw this movie twice. Um, I saw it twice I saw it twice yeah Uh, I assume it went well the first time I I really I'm with you for the first 80% of the movie oh no first 80% of the movie I thought this is fucking fantastic Mm -hmm. Um, this is everything I miss about the West Wing this is Aaron Sorkin doing inspiring politics and you watch the movie thinking god why you know politicians aren't like like this anymore and then I feel like it sort of fell apart at the end um, the whole story is Charlie Wilson was a senator, I mean a congressman from Texas who in 1980 
the Russians invade Afghanistan and he, he starts getting involved. He's, he sees that something must be done. He gets involved with this Texas, rich Texas woman, Julia Roberts, and a CIA agent, Philip Seymour Hoffman. And they basically, the three of them, enact a cold, uh, covert war against the Soviets by arming the Afghans. Afghanis. Afghani? Afghans are the rugs. Afghanis. Um, that's the story of the movie. That's the story of the, that's the story of the movie. And so the first 80% is them struggling to get the funds and the weapons and everything to the Afghanis. And it's really interesting. And it's really de- detailed. And then all of a sudden, they get the weapons and the movie's over. And it just sort of, they, there's no, it just sort of ends. Like, there's, there's no, there was no satisfying resolution to the story in that, um, well, you want I, I wanted to see more of the fallout from what happened. It's sort of, the movie just sort of, they got the weapons, yay, we drove them out, and it's over. Um, yeah, but the thing was, it didn't leave you at that point because... And I, I think, really, for me, one of the best parts was, and this is another case of choice, um, where at the end, I mean, they had to make this choice because it was the movie, you know, what happened, but where uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman is out on the deck with Tom Hanks well, at the end after also, the party, yeah. and, and he tells him, like, the proverb of, uh, you know, and what then? And basically, he's saying, you know, after you think you've accomplished something, well, what then? And it leads to the point that, you know, we did all this stuff in Afghanistan, and then we blew it. Which leads well, to then that's know. that was my criticism. See, I understand that you understand that, and the ending of the movie basically you have to know the world events to understand the importance of the end of the movie. You have to understand that what the people we armed ended up then attacking us yeah. in two thousand and one, or harboring those who attacked us. Yeah. If if you don't understand that, like the second audience I went through didn't understand it, mm-hmm. you, you're not gonna feel the weight of the movie. There's a coda. The movie ends in a black screen with a quote from Charlie Wilson who says. To the effect of what we do is important. It was historical. No, 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 we, changed we, the world, and then we fucked up the end game. Yeah, the audience I was with the second movie. The first movie understood what that meant, and there was a deadly silent in the theater. The second audience laughed at the word "fuck." That's huh. unfortunate. And if if you're making a movie and you want it to be, and I hate dumbing it down for the audience, but I think this is an important subject. And if you need to, you need to at least show a little bit more to explain to people that what happened, we fucked up. And would you not... just ended when the shot of the towers? Would you have ended? No, like but that, no, 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 God, no. Because yeah. <laughs> it, it, it isn't a straight God. line. Basically, yeah. what but there could have been more into the into the intelligence of of basically what happens is they put a billion dollars into the into the fun, armory yeah. the armoring the Afghanis, and then they won't fund reconstructing Afghanistan. Right. So then you've got to... all these people with a chip on the shoulder. They don't know who did it to them. They only look around and say who abandoned us. Right. They did, and then that resentment grows, and then. Yeah. All of those people that turns into what it was, and it isn't that it was just the people who harbored them. The, the Mujahideen army was was who became Al Qaeda, basically. Well, yes and no. I mean, the 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 what happened after we left was that the they said the movie the fundamentalists moved in, mm-hmm. and then the the tribes that we armed fought each other mm-hmm. for control of the country, and then they ended up wiping each other out, and the fundamentalists just rolled in, took out everybody else that was left except for the northern army. So they said the movie were too strong, mm-hmm. and then that's that's I mean they they didn't the Mujahideen didn't. It was the fundamentalists who took out the, the remnants. Well, this is turning into a different show. <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is, I, I and I know that, and people who, who you know that, but but I felt like it was too oblique for people who are stupid, which is the majority of the country. Right. Right. Well, okay, but oh, I, I mean, I'm no, awful. Well, no, but people don't pay attention to. Yeah. So they, to they, they actually want entertainment. So it depends on what you're going in for. I felt like, and I can totally see walking out of this movie feeling let down because you're like, yeah, and then at the end they're like, oh yeah, but then this happened. And and that does knock you on your ass a little bit. I do think that from from a standpoint of uh, making a movie that for me was really enjoyable, everything yeah, was no, absolutely. For me. And I, I the second viewing reaffirmed that I really, really, really loved the first eighty percent of it. Yeah. Um. And I and I, I wouldn't say I disliked the whole movie. I just felt like the ending could have been stronger. 
Anyway. Anyway. I said I had a lot to say on it, and I did. It's a lot, of, lot to say. I'm Jeez. sorry. I saw it twice in the last week. I think I have to go see it again. We can talk about this later. <laughs> I like not having the list in front of me because then each movie is a I'm surprise. Sorry. No, it's all right. I'm just curious. Um, oh, okay. So in a completely different direction, my um, <laughs> my self indulgent movie, um, my uh, uh, the scratch in the itch that I that I listen. I, I have this on my queue. I want to see this movie. So. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in the land of women. Um, <laughs> Is this a porno? Adam no, Brody. No, Adam Brody. Oh, right, right, right. Meg right. Ryan. Meg Ryan. Um, really? I mean, it's it's the trailer was just as soon as I saw the trailer, I saw it. I knew it, Ron oh, was going to see this movie. Yeah, it was great. I mean, Adam Brody plays a a writer, for, uh, an uh, you know, like a screenwriter who girlfriend breaks up with him. His hot, his hot actress girlfriend breaks up with him, and he gets devastated. So he goes to visit his grandmother, and then he gets caught up in the family drama, the family across the street. And kind of almost hooks up with the daughter and then hooks up with Meg Ryan, the mom. So it gets a little weird because he's older and younger. So it goes in both those directions. It gets a little weird. But what I thought was really interesting is that it gets put up as a as a kind of a, you know, the, the trailer makes you think it's going to be a sappy romance. He's going to mm-hmm. go visit his grandmother, fall in love with the daughter across the street. And it turns into this kind of really kind of fucked up, poignant, very realistic kind of current family drama because Meg Ryan's is the mother of the daughter and she has cancer but she hasn't told her family yet and this is kind of like this whole kind of how do you get through life kind of thing from every angle and it was just and it, it just got me and it was fun to see so it totally scratched that kind but of cheesy ish it was I good mean, that was totally in your up here oh it was totally yeah, it, was, it was right in my wheelhouse I ran to, I saw it opening weekend I believe it was yeah, Adam so. Brody the new the Wally West and Justice League how do you feel about that okay yeah. I'm cool with that Wally West seems, more like, a blue, seems West. more like a blue beetle kind of character. As long as it's not, what's his face? <laughs> the Ryan dude, Reynolds. Ryan okay. Reynolds, he would have been so. good. Um, let's see if you can come up with a political... Uh... I talked Charlie Wilson to death, so I'm not going to... I'm just going to say Ratatouille um, was the most fun I've had in an animated film in, in the long It was time. really good. I mean, that was such yeah. a good film. We saw yeah. that together. We, we did. We all did. Yeah, we, did all we did a, we did a uh, thing. I mean, it, was, it just blew so many, so many other movies out of the water. I mean, just... It was well That movie well for crafted. me was made... At the end, by, by one scene. Yep, it was the one scene where he sniffs the stuff, and yep. and I saw yeah. that visual of him going back to his childhood, and I was like, "That is they how you food. Yeah. That is how you direct a movie." Yep, and and maybe it took animated or computer animation to be able to do that, but. It was funny because that one scene, I think all three of us, like, I remember the, yeah. the, the gasp of air across our room. It was just, it was just it was, the whole the Yeah, whole it was all the, like, the that's theater. how much, and I was like, and I, that was like, it was a great movie up in, it was a good movie up until that point, it became a great movie. Yeah. yeah so, um, you know, and, and, uh, you know, it should be noted that one of the things that Pixar does best than anything almost is, is casting. Yes. They never cast. It's not. See, the difference between Pixar movies and DreamWorks movies can be spoiled, boiled down to Pixar movies never lead with uh, starring Tom Hanks. Yep. Yeah. You know, whereas well, DreamWorks they, movies tend to. And though that doesn't mean they're bad, but they pick people who are appropriate for it. And Patton Oswalt, like, who who would have thought that yeah. would work? Hey, any movie that stars a rat and gets me to like it because I hate rodents. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I love food, so I thought that part was really oh, fun. That's what I saw good, too. Yeah. So it was good stuff. Excellent. Um, so it was a good year for movies. It was, it was fun. It was a really yeah. good year. Yeah, for I saw I like I saw close to twenty movies this year. I've still crazy. got a yeah. bunch left to yeah. go. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just... and there's stuff. I, yeah. Well, we've I mean, got a couple days. Yeah, let's go. Let's, let's go to a movie right yeah. now. Oh, yeah. we got more show to do. <laughs> Television. And before we go to TV, uh, we want to take one quick second to thank our sponsor, Jim Hanley's Universe, which is one of the best, most progressive comic book stores. Uh, they offer the best selection of titles and merchandise, uh, and from from all the mainstream and manga to mini comics to little black and white. That's what mini. They got everything. Thing, dude. 
Dude, they have so much stuff, it's it's uh, it's kind of overwhelming. Uh, but they've got it all. When you're in New York City, you should stop by uh, where art and literature meet. You can uh, find them either just south of the Empire State Building on 33rd or at uh, in Staten Island at 325 New Dorp Lane. 33rd Street for our friends outside of New York City. What did I say? You just said south of the Empire State Building on 33rd. That's how, that's well, how, no, that's no, that's how authentic I am. So if you do stop in there and there's a friendly person in the county, you say, hey, I fanboy sent us in that way. They know that they're not wasting their time with us. <laughs> I'm, well, I always then. say things that they tell me not to say later. No, but uh, seriously, um, go to Jim Hanley's Universe on the web at jhuniverse.com or friend them. Uh, at myspace.com slash jhuniverse. Uh, we thank them very much. Uh, this year has been great for having them on board. So. Yes, it's been very great to have Hanley's with us. Um, so television. Uh, television is always tough because we're a bunch of TV nerds, and it, you got to remember last season and the beginning of this season. Yeah, it's mm. the and difficult. we got a bit of a sour taste in our mouth due to the strike going on right now. As I know. TV it's gets... great. Thanks for the break, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I have to as admit. I've been... TV gets pulled away from us. What really gets me about the strike, just real quickly, is that the new season launched, and, and I don't know if you guys have noticed it, but with the se- with the TV seasons, it's kind of like on again, off again. Like one season will be really good, then there will be a couple that aren't so good. I felt like this year was a good season. a good Like I felt good about TV again, and then yeah. it got all pulled away from me. So it was kind of upsetting. You know what I think is so, ironic what? is that this is largely about DVD sales. Yeah. This is going to rocket TV DVD <laughs> yeah. sales out of the stratosphere. Yeah. And they're still not going to get a big cut. <laughs> no. no. So, um, so, but one of those new – so in the – Well, no. Uh, we, we're going to talk about a returning show first. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought the last season of Lost, which is season three, yep. uh, was a return – the second half of the third season was a return to, return to greatness for Lost. Really? Um, once they had that stupid break and then they came back – and it was ba- it was basically nonstop. Well, because they started off poor in the fir- in the third season because they they randomly yeah. introduced the two people. Yeah. The the and, they, they, and they, they, they ultimately had to kill them off. They which introduced I thought was awesome. new characters. I don't yeah. remember any of this. <laughs> they had the yeah they introduced it was it was kind of a rocky start for the season, but then they had that break which they always take and it kills the momentum. But this time the break allowed them to really clean house and focus. They came and back strong. They, did. they came back strong. There was a bunch of great episodes in a row leading to the fantastic season finale, which. With, which changed the paradigm. flash forward changed the whole show. Oh yeah, the Jim Morrison, yeah, yeah with um, the beard. Yeah. What's funny the is worst fake beard in <laughs> Hollywood history. I what's funny is is a lot of people dropped off Lost after the second season because I was very close. Season. I do remember that it picked up and it kept me on. I I showed someone the clip on YouTube of the finale of season three and they were someone that left the show and they were like, oh my god, I got to get the DVDs and yeah. catch up. And I read online on our forum somebody somebody did the same thing. Showed yeah. their family. Who had stopped watching the same clip, and they all wanted to get back on. Yeah. I think that last episode and the like four or five before it really brought the show back. So, have you seen the trailer for the upcoming season? It looks, I have. It looks really good. It does yeah. look really good. I'm yeah. really happy because Lost is one of my favorite shows. I'm happy that it's 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 back. Maybe someday you'll see it again. I think. I think. Well, Lost is coming back in January. No. Yes. Oh, did it get confirmed? I heard yes, rumors they were going to push it to April. No, no, it's coming back in January. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I, right. For me, I think that the no, best January. thing about this show at this point is is Michael Emerson. He's, He's really great. Ben. I mean, like yeah. they needed a, a villain. Besides the island, yeah, um, and he fills in that, and the guy is just creepy without being cheesy, and he's done it over and over. And, and I on love and when on. you when you discover a, a dude, like yeah, he, he's not new, exactly. He's around, but he's this is he's his introduction to the whole wide public, yep. and yep. he's 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 really good, and he's not a name or a face. Yeah, for me, that's really been the strong point of the show. Yeah, um, like the X Files is really good at that, it's introducing you to actors you've never seen before, and they're really good. This, mm-hmm. and this he's really good. 
So. Cool. So, um, uh, a new show that uh, that really kind of grabbed me, and I think it grabbed you. My as well, yeah. I love it. I, I, it's, it's. I don't know if it's my favorite of the new season, but it's de- it's it's in my top 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 list. That's what I'm talking about. But uh, Pushing Daisies also on ABC. Mm-hmm. Um, really, um, what got me initially was the the look of it. I mean, the concept is is that there's the main character has the ability to if something somebody dies, he can touch them and bring them back to life, but only for a minute. And if they survive longer than a minute, then somebody else has to die. Um, kind of like a balance, balance of the universe type thing. And, so he touches um, them again before the minute and they die. And they die again. Permanently. Right? Um, and so that's the premise. Kind of weird, kind of mystical. Um, the look really got me. Kind of, uh, Barry Sonnenfeld exactly. He, did the, he, he, he did, directed the first two, I think. He directed the first two and he kind of helped create it. And he, he's known by, remember, Toys yep. had a very similar kind of primary color, almost painted. Very bright, kind of look, very, very saturated, bright. yeah. Um, but it doesn't feel like anything on TV right no. now. Um, they introduced a romance plot where he, his, the girl across the street who he loved as a young girl um, died and he came across her body and he brought her back to life and kept her back to life. And now they're in this kind of romance, but they can't touch. Um, and we'll get to that in a second. But for me, what made the show is the supporting cast. Yeah, um, it's fantastic. Chai McBride, mm-hmm. who um, was in Boston Public as the principal, and he was in Gone in 60 Seconds. He's an actor, been around. plays a private detective who works with the main character to solve murders because mm-hmm. they go to the dead body, bring him back to life, and find out who killed them, and then get the money. Reward um, money, yeah. And Kristen Chenoweth, who plays the waitress who works in the pie shop that the main character owns. Um, and she's from she worked on Broadway and was in yeah. Wicked, stuff like that. It those two characters alone make the show for me. Yeah, absolutely. The dialogue is fast and punchy, and the stories it's one it's one and done. It's little murder mysteries, stuff like that, um, with the ongoing. Well, there are there are threads that go. Yeah, through, they're, they're the main, threads. The main yeah. storylines yeah. are one and done stories. But um, it's really really good, and it's really hard to like knowing the big flaw in it. In that well, the main are, two characters who are romantically linked. Well, first of all, it's touch. very it's very whimsical. You have to like that sort of thing. You have to yeah. get past. You have to be able to watch it and say, well, well, well shouldn't wasn't she embalmed? Like you right. have to be able to not ask those questions. Just go with it. Yeah, exactly. Because the cast is so appealing. Um, I don't like her. I don't like the the romance the the romantic the girl lead. You don't like Anna, Anna Friel? I don't like. Her I love Anna Friel. I think the main the, yeah. the weak spot is the guy. It's Ned. Yeah, I agree. I agree. He feels he he feels to me like a poor man's Ed Burns. Wow, I don't see that at all. I, I don't. Uh, I don't see not on the show. I don't see the actor as being weak. I see the yeah. character as being weak. Right, I think right. he's not very likable in times, which is which. Yeah, I can see that. Like you don't. I don't feel like he's worthy of yeah. Chuck's devotion because right. he's kind of a jerk to her sometimes. Yeah. But um, you have to get past. You have to be into the the whimsical aspect of it. You have to really like the fairy tale aspect of it. Um, but if you do, if you get if you can enjoy that, the, the, you're right. The dialogue is great. The characters are really the, – the, the, it's really an ensemble at this point. It started yeah. off just the two, two main characters really. And now, now it's, it's an ensemble, and it's becoming the eccentricity factor of it, and they recently added Paul Rubens, yeah. uh, and, and, which is great. To me, the great, best thing they've done is they made the two female characters like buddies, Yeah, which was the smartest thing because they bring Kristen Chenoweth in more. She wasn't right. really in the plots she was before. The, she was, she, I haven't seen it that far, but she was starting to be like the villain. Right, sort of. She's in love with she was suspicious of what was Ned, going on. Yeah. And Chuck, Chuck, the girl's in love with Ned. Yeah. So you, so you, you like Chuck, you, you want – you want all of Kristen Chenoweth's characters to go away, but right. they bring her in as as she and Chuck have become buddies, mm-hmm. and now they go on like wacky adventures. Yeah, Kristen Chenoweth is the energy of the show. Kristen yeah. Chenoweth is the energy of the show, and Sean McBride is like the, um, I, I want I want to say re- reality, the slap of reality. Yeah, like he's always kind of very no nonsense kind of thing. But like, but when, now when the, the problem, two of them are in a scene together. It's fantastic. Yeah. The problem with the show is they're kind of painting themselves in a corner because right. how long conceivably can these two characters be in, just remain in love if they can't ever touch? 
It's will they, won't they, but they can never will. Well, I mean, the, it, it, technically, I don't believe in the paint yourself in a corner thing because when a show becomes brilliant is when it looks like they're about to paint themselves right. in a corner. And then Absolutely. They go in a different so now that's the point we're at to see if they'll be able to do that. And I'm going to be talking about that later with another show, yeah. and I'll get so. to that. Yeah, no, I, 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 they could possibly do it. I'm just saying at this point, you watch and thinking, mm-hmm. how long can this concept be sustained? It's, what's funny for me is that I had— It's more m- of a British model where they could go like a year and be done with it. Well, I, yeah. This is not a show I don't think could last five, six years. Yeah, well, you know? is it doing well? Yeah. Yeah, it's well, doing very well, up, yeah. Okay. I, I, you know what's funny get up for the full. is that I, you know, I started—I'd never heard of it because I wasn't really paying attention. I was avoiding new shows. Didn't you watch? Actively. Didn't you ride the subways? It was a freaking poster for it at every five feet in the subways. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. Or at least it looked like the kind of thing that I wouldn't have even— like I would have blinded out. So I see on our forums that people are like, like just proposing to it and yeah, want yeah. to want to have it's babies worthy. with the show. Um, so I went and I watched the first few of them and it didn't really do anything for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's very, it's very I, whimsical. No, nah, yeah. see, that isn't the kind of, that doesn't really bother me, but for whatever reason, I, I think maybe it was built up too much or something yeah. and I, I respect it very much. Like, I was like, wow, they got this on the air and it's yeah. cool or whatever. Well, that's, that's very true. It wasn't yeah. really speaking to me. Also, a couple of the later episodes really got, I mean, and you like the, you know, like the fast Sorkin kind of dialogue. Mm-hmm. As the show progresses, the dialogue, I feel as if it's being turned up in terms of speed and delivery and like, mm-hmm. it's kind of like you can't laugh or talk during the show because you might miss something thing and like it's and it's sounds tiring well no but it's good it's a lot of fun no it's it's definitely engaging it's engaging Mm -hmm. so it's a case to be made for getting in on the ground floor because you know the hype doesn't kill you well um um, if you want to talk about getting in on a ground floor um connor this is the surprise show of the year for me this is my show of the year thank god you mentioned it you know uh mad men on amc which i guarantee you not enough of you are watching first of all before you get into it, crime against humanity that this is not available for Christmas in yeah. DVD. Yeah. I was going to buy this for people that I knew would love it. Mm-hmm. And I go, and it's not available until, until next year. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, all the hype it got, and it's not they didn't rush that DVD out. This is going to be one of those lost gems. You can see it right now. Like, you know, I know they get picked up for a second season, but, you know, an AMC. They're going to ride gonna... this because they're getting a lot of buzz. This okay. is like, there's no other buzz show on cable like this right, right now. Right, but, but nobody's going to be watching it, is, the, is what I think. It's just yeah. AMC. I mean, it's going to take them a while. It's going to be like The Shield, where right. for yeah. people who are like, well, it's on what? You know, it's, it's whatever. Uh, basically, what we have here uh, is a show about ad men in New York City in 1960. 1960. 1960, correct. Uh, Advertising. A yep. stark look at, at the social conventions of the time. Every, um, every kind of social convention. I mean, yeah. I did a whole show, guest appearance, so I don't want to – you get to talk about it because I already talked to the show to death. I just um, – when you first mentioned it and you, you said – thought it was a reality show. Yeah. I go – I, I, I come to Josh – Because it was on I, cable. Yeah. I come to Josh after I watch it. I'm like, are you – have you seen the show Mad Men? It's on AMC. It's about advertising guys in New York. And, and he's like, is, is this a reality show? I was like, no, 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 no. It's a it's Because there's some show on, on like HDNet that's about Wall Street traders mm-hmm. and it's a reality show. And it sounded like – the like one that was, a, one that was on Bravo about newspapers a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember that? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I just – and then uh, I, I – Oh, I didn't see the first two episodes. I didn't catch on to this. Yeah. No, so I, I just um, – I, I acquired the episodes and <laughs> – Quote, unquote. And I watched them uh, and then I started watching it on the regular – but it was – I mean I was just like – I hadn't been sucked in like that in something just whereas Pushing Daisies has one kind of thing. Well, it's uh, completely opposite. I know, but this is the kind of thing that when it comes to TV, episodic, really character-based People things that, this the Sopranos that make you beginning. think. Well, one of the, the executive producers from The Sopranos. Right. And for me, I'm thinking, this guy had to have been the child of one of these men. Yeah. Because it is so, so real. real and so personal. There's so many details. Yeah. yeah little, little, um, just little t- he had to have been one of those kids. He's, Don, he's first, Don Draper's son. He has to be. 
And at first, you're you're watching this, and and there's these characters, and you, there's a bunch of people, and they all kind of look the same because they're all men in suits, and and they're you know. But over time, you start to get the little bits of all the characters, and you find all the little side characters who have personalities and things that you like, and it's just so enjoyable. And you find yourself like like really rooting for some people and not for others, and and like you feel a visceral like like Pete Campbell. Who's like sort of the nemesis? You, I have a visceral hatred of him. <laughs> when he comes, I was like, "Oh, I want him to get hit by a bus." That's what I want, and that's yeah. what you want out of things. And then, just like Tony Soprano, and just like Vic Mackey, I can't tell you if Don Draper is a good guy or not. Yeah, because you want to like him badly, and then sometimes you have no choice but to hate him. And that is such a wonderful thing when it comes to that kind of TV. Yeah, um, it is fantastic. This, this is this is the surprise show of the year for me. It's Josh's show of the year. This is this is a great. If, if if you're missing great cable drama because there's nothing else really on, it's very good. Until The Wire comes back on January right. 6th or 8th, I forget. Or yeah. not, yeah. I will be acquiring it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have cable anymore, so I couldn't watch it. But um, I'm going to get it. For me, uh, see, that's what happens when you kick. It's, when it's you on iTunes. I know. I, we, I, I weaned off the cable system. I believe I it's was, on iTunes. I was just, is it? Oh, okay. Yeah. I can um, figure that out, I think. For me, the, there's a lot of com- there's a lot of great comedies right now. There's The Office. There's My Name Is Earl. There's, we're going to talk about some of those in a minute. Uh, we're, we're getting into our Thursday night American TV block right now. So yeah. if you're if you're in the United States, all these shows, the next one, two, three, four, five shows are all on the same night. Appointment television. Um, but to me, the best comedy of the last two years is Thirty Rock. Um, and it's I know Josh watched the beginning didn't like it, but it's the first I'm, two I'm, episodes I'm, were shaky and it got so much better after the first couple. Of I'm, episodes. I'm gonna buy it yeah. just so we know. I'm, that's gonna be my my next purchase because there's no TV on. Yeah. So I'm <laughs> gonna go ahead and give it another shot. <laughs> it, I, I figured um, too many people have said they it like got it, so yeah. much better after the first two episodes. It's it's I think head and shoulders above every other comedy on TV right now. Really, um, it's about this is Thirty Rock is about um, a, a, co- a sketch comedy show of the behind the scenes stuff. It's not about the show. It's not like Studio Sixty where you got where you, saw, you know you never see the show. You see the rehearsals, but you never actually see the sketch, sketch, mm-hmm. sketches. So you don't ever worry about that stuff. It, but it's it's a over the top f- farce. I mean, this is not all reality based like mm-hmm. Studio Sixty was. This is everybody's goofy. Everybody's tweaked. The characters are all tweaked. It's Tina Fey is the main character. Alec Baldwin is genius as the studio head or the network head in New York, and it's just so smart. It's it's almost entering Arrested Development territory, and that jokes are getting called back now. So mm-hmm. I've joke, heard that. Yeah, I heard jokes that, that are yeah. being yeah. set up in one episode are, are pay off three episodes later. Yeah, and if you, you really if you've been paying attention and watching the whole time, it's so satisfying. You know, from watching Arrested Development when that stuff works. Where do you put it in terms of uh, relating to Arrested Development, which is for me the finest comedy on television, maybe in my lifetime? <laughs> um, it's close. I really, mean, it's it's close to that to that to that level. Bees. It's close to bees. <laughs> um, you have to, I mean, the thing that it's got that, that Alec Baldwin may be better than anybody doing comedy right now on TV. And I think he may have been better than anybody on Arrested Development. He's perfect for his, he's the blowhard TV mm-hmm. executive, but he's got so many layers of stuff you would never expect from his character. And he's got the, you know, the, the domineering mother and he's, he's not, he's not, he's Irish mm-hmm. and it's just, it's brilliant. If you know TV, you know, there's cameos from NBC, other NBC people like Conan O'Brien shows up sometimes, but um, he's Jack, he's Jack's nemesis, um, this black Irish bastard. But um, it's I think you I think people need to give this this comedy a shot. It's I'm not gonna, really I'm, well watched, but it's really well written. I've already decided to go back and, yeah. and watch yeah, it, so that's definitely going to happen. Tried and true, tried and true. Um, 
before we talk about this season, uh, Connor and I, one of our favorite shows of all time in recent years, has been uh, ER. You can go ahead and add me to that list. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> I mean, that's one of the best things that's happened. That, that is, year. yeah, honestly, honest it is, yeah. Because after years of us talking and Josh is kind of going over his ER. head, yeah, I didn't watch episodic television for years, right? Because it sucked for years. So I wanted to address the fact that you. So what season was the most recent? Okay, season? I well, was fly- the problem. <laughs> I was flying through this on Netflix, and I figured that they weren't that far behind. I get to. I finished season seven. I go to put on eight, and I realize it's not coming out until January of two thousand eight. So you caught up with the release schedule. <laughs> oh, it's oh, and it's, we're on season what fifteen? Like fourteen? Or 15. I know. Just put the rest of them out. They're just sitting there. What's even worse is they're on like season what nine or ten in the UK, but yeah. in the US they're only on eight. Oh God, it is oh, painful. Geez. And at the end of the last one, I know something's gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> So, so go ahead and talk that's about season. developments the whole so, year. Yeah, that's, go ahead yeah, and so, talk about season forty-eight, but don't <laughs> let me know. So yeah, so the joke has been that ER just keeps going and going and going, and then maybe two, three years ago, it, it didn't seem it was not good. it was not long for this earth for much longer. Yeah. But then I think we talked about this last year too. We ER got good again, yeah. and that continued into the end of last season and the beginning, and of, this beginning of this season. Who knew that Uncle Jesse John Stamos would be such a great addition? Yeah. Um, then finally they ended the season strong and had me like giggling with adding Stanley Tucci. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, it was a short run and he left you know earlier this season, but um, he was brilliant. Yeah. And but th- that show's done that all along. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. But he was on for a while. I right. Mean, he, he was like it was like a six seven episode run. It was like yeah. it was like a long. It was longer than I thought it would have been. Do they still and do the thing where like people will come on like a big actor will come on and, and then one, yeah. they'll show no but they'll show up like every five or six episodes like not so much anymore. Okay. Really. Yeah. They do when they can right but um, But they did a great montage of celebrity yes cameos they did a it was kind of cheesy they did like um was it christmas or what was the what were they celebrating oh fuck i forget anyway they were they were celebrating uh, they were all uh, the the conceit was they were they were remembering that this is a hospital it was christmas it was christmas yeah there's life and they have to celebrate the fact that this is there's death but there's also life in the hospital so they all think so they they took that opportunity to have a montage of all the big time celebrity cameos that have come in but um, is, is mullet nurse still there and has he ever gotten a line? Oh yeah, no, he's, he is still there, and he's never gotten a line. Awesome. <laughs> um, but anyway, so so hopefully, you know, and it's funny because it's doing so well that there's actually they rumors well they were of talking them. about last year canceling it, but now yeah. it's doing. And now they're talking about another season. Like everyone knew this was going to be the last season, and so uh-huh. like and so Noah Wiley is supposed to come back when it, when it comes back next in the spring if it ever comes back, and. Um, but then I've heard chatter that it's going to get another season, and so I kind of like I kind of would like it to go out on a high note. But yeah. I also, it's the kind of thing; it's such a staple. I don't want to. It's been not really satisfying it. the last two yeah. years. Haven't been really good again. Yeah, I mean, exactly. it's been like you know Thursday night is so heavy for TV that I yeah. I, I DVR like nine hours of TV yeah, on Thursday. Thursday's rough, and you can tell what's my priority in watching in watching yeah. stuff. Like, what do I really excited about? ER is always like the second or third thing I watch. I don't. I watch it before Grey's Anatomy. I watch it before. Yeah. Yeah. You know, any of those four Smallville before me, that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we sort of touched on it, but I want to talk about My Name is Earl. In the Thursday vein. So. In the Thursday vein. Uh, you know, a while ago, if you were giving me the choice between The Office and Earl, I would have gone with The Office every mm-hmm. time. But this uh, – we were talking about painting yourselves into a corner. Mm-hmm. And My Name is Earl, yeah. like, <laughs> dude, they do it over and over and they keep getting themselves out. It's and amazing. This, it's this season. I mean, just from if you would talk about it formulaically, you would be like, oh, it's over. It's got to be over by now. And they just keep figuring out new ways to do what they're doing. The show's not about the list all the time. It's still there. They stay true to their theme, but they don't do anything predictable. 
and just this season. Well, last season ended with well, Earl going I, yeah, to prison. Yeah, and now this this year and like, they, got, they kept him in prison, which I, I thought know. was amazing. And then they added Craig T. Nelson. <laughs> and Who it was you hate? Genius. I hate Craig T. Nelson. And I hate uh, Michael. What's his Rappaport? Oh, I love Michael Rappaport. How can you hate Michael Rappaport? He's I can't great. Stand him, but he was awesome. <laughs> I know. Like the, the show was just, scenes were great. The whole the, sh- the whole show was just like. Incredibly funny. The the storyline about the two gangsters who I was were secretly saying, in that love. That was the best one of the season. Yeah. Oh my god. I, but now the new corner they paint themselves in is he's got no more money. They, they had to do. Money. But this. But see, that's the thing is you can look at it as a corner they painted themselves but just in, challenge. or you can look no, at it as now they've right, got more. Challenge. What they've done is then now they've given more story because yeah. before he didn't have to worry about that. And and what I like about the show is that the writers have proven themselves up to the task yeah. Yeah. over and over and over again. And it was consistently good. There wasn't. A point this season where I was like, oh, just get and, on with it. And what I love about it from a greater picture is that they've created a universe. Oh, they they which totally is, created is, a great yeah. universe. They've got all these recurring characters. And, and, and they need really to rich. give they need to give Jamie Presley as many awards as they <laughs> yeah, had to hand out. Brilliant. When she won the Emmy, people complained. I said, you don't watch the show then because yeah. she is fantastic yeah. on her mm-hmm. own. She's not. She, her, she's layered. Her character's yeah. really layered. And, and I mean, even like, you know, just the crab but, man. But the, crab the comparison man. between picking Earl or The Office is tough. The office, it is. I, I mean, I want to mention The Office because it's consistently good, but I feel like there's a little bit of a buzz that's lost to it. Yeah. yeah for me personally. Like, I still enjoy it, but I don't like... I, I got to say, I, the, the, first, the, the first half of this season, f- every episode was better than the next. Mm-hmm. And there was just little things. I thought Ed Helms has come into his own this season. has yeah, been they, hysterical. He's been very helpful. I got to admit, the supersized, the longer episodes in the beginning got a little tiring towards yep. the fourth one. Um that, but that's really my only criticism of it. I mean, like the fact that weeks and months afterwards, me and my sister are still emailing and say, like, you know, the the whole "give me a break, give me a break," you know, that I mean, like, we're still we're quoting it over Christmas. I feel like, you know, like it's been really solid, yeah. but I haven't had an episode yet that's been like blowing me out of the water, like, you know, because for me, the, the highlight the highlight from the first couple of seasons has always been Jim and Pam, Jim and right. Pam, Jim and Pam, and they're together, and they've done a great job of making that not boring because usually. Yeah, characters together kill the TV show. Yeah, but it's the, it was those moments between them that always made the episode stand out. And you don't have those because it was the comedy plus the plus, the relationship. Yeah, and yeah. those you don't get. They try to do that with Dwight and Angela, but it hasn't yeah. really. It doesn't have the same impact that Jim and Pam do. Right. By the way, uh, just tangentially, uh, I saw a trailer for a movie with George Clooney and Jim. Yeah, I saw it too. And is it supposed to be a choice between Jim and George Clooney? <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's I, I mean? Uh, anyway, back to what we were doing. Well, yeah, no, directed I, by George. I, Clooney. I could I could see that, but I but I've it's gotten. I've, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that the, the yeah. for me the buzz isn't there. Yeah. I feel like they didn't they didn't they sort of were like okay now we have to figure out something to do with Jim. And I think by the end of the season they had. I love that end of the season where it's not the end of the season. Well, whatever. The end of the, the end yeah. of the, the, end, the last yeah. couple that we saw. Well, they where, turned him into into Michael. Into Michael. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that no, was that, and, and no, when when he had to go with Dwight and Michael up to Karen's branch. Yeah. Yeah. And he had to be like the the voice of reason, <laughs> I yeah. guess. The mustaches. But it, it really turned. The thing about that show that they. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about that show that the British version <laughs> fake mustaches are always funny. The, <laughs> Trying to make. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Comments. The British version doesn't have that. This one does. Is a very strong supporting yes. cast. Yes. Um, and that's really the main well, yeah, difference for me. For me, it's it's hoping that Toby has a line. Yeah. Or yeah. you know, seeing what Creed is going to no, do. They get or stories. Like, yeah. yeah they get yeah, no, interesting. Which is great. Yeah. It's funny because I was just wa- I just watched I the end of the British one again, yeah. and I'm looking at Jim versus Tim. Yeah. And Jim Jim's a tall, good-looking, charming dude, whereas Tim was like a little sort of squat, regular yeah, dude. Yeah. And you yeah. kind of like I was like, wow, it's it's. 
you know, totally different. But the, the difference in the strength being that the supporting cast in the American office is just right. stunning. Yeah. Yeah, again, I don't want to. I don't want to think portray it being badly. I just think that yeah. no, the 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 the, the, sh- the charge you would get every week after the Jim and Pam stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just not there because of the storylines change. They need they, they there does need to be some other there's drama. I will say this: the Michael um, Harpy woman, Pam Jennifer Jennifer stuff, oh, no. where where oh, they Pam. went back to the office and they had the that deposition. Was that was fantastic. That yes. was also oh the deposition. The, was, the yeah. deposition yeah. is the most Jan. Jan. uncomfortable Jan. scene that yeah. I've seen since the original <laughs> Office, yeah. since the UK one. Where <laughs> this is what she's reading back. The the court reporter is reading back, and she. <laughs> Screws up his joke, and that kind where <laughs> you're just where it. you're just watching, you're going, "Oh God, don't, don't say, <laughs> oh, you're, oh, no. just, somebody help him." Yeah. yeah. So, oh God. So, um, similar to Josh and his ER revelation, I was a little late to the game on Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. And and I don't know if you guys remember earlier this year, but I remember season, that a season, little earlier. <laughs> season three started, and I came over. We watched the first episode. I didn't know what was going on. And yeah, you I, watched the first episode. And I haven't seen the show. Yeah, well, that's all right. I mean, because I, I try new things. And I went home and I downloaded the, the miniseries, season one, season two, and caught up to season three for the for the finale of season three. So I kind of binged on Battlestar this mm. year, and I don't, can't think of a better TV experience I've had in a long time. Yeah, that show yes. was so multi layered. I totally hear what you guys were saying. I bought the miniseries for my dad for Christmas to start him on it. And it just, I did it too for my dad. Yeah, yeah fucking brilliant. And now I can't, I'm rabid for the season four. You yeah, know, like oh, so good, so it's, so good. It's ridiculous. So, how yeah. Well, the, they don't. They don't. Although the ending of uh, season three, I don't know. I love the ending of season. I love the two, but it's it's it just like it I was blew like, my really? mind. I was a little. I watched yeah, it blew my mind. I screamed yeah. in my my living room. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and yeah. even they came back with that TV movie a little while ago. Yeah, Razor, Razor and that yeah. should have sucked. Yeah. I mean, by all the conventional rules of television history, that should have sucked. And it was and it, great. It was great. You and know what I liked? Because it was almost like it was one of those little – it was almost like an annual. Yeah, yeah it was, it was, like, yeah, it was like It was like a little in-between yeah. story. You know, like it was really – yeah, so I love yeah, it. Yeah, so I'm, I'm just looking good. forward to more whenever it decides to do that. Uh, <laughs> hopefully so. To the end of 2008, early 2009. Yeah, it's like... going to be a long time. Oh, I'm watching fantastic. the first season again now. Yeah, that's a good idea. I might do that. Uh well, let's let's just change it up just a little bit because what's with all this network stuff? <laughs> this is a surprise. I'll, you know what I the the best show that I've been watching lately since the, the strike? Uh, <laughs> every day uh, between four it's and totally five o'clock on TLC. <laughs> oh God! Take home chef. Take home chef. <laughs> Take home chef. I have to admit this. He's not wrong. Curti- Curtis Stone, uh, a tall, tall, uh, charming. Uh, I say that a lot about a lot of men. Uh, <laughs> Australian guy goes into supermarkets in Southern California and he picks up. Uh, Hot chicks, and he takes them home to cook with them. The conceit being that they're supposed to be making dinner for somebody, usually their boyfriend or husband, and so he buys all their food for them and teaches how to make stuff. It's ostensibly a cooking show, but the sexual tension on that show <laughs> is so thick. It's not and about rich. the cooking, it's, it's about whether or not this woman will leave her husband for this guy. <laughs> that is what the show is about. And you watch the moments where they're looking at him, and you can just see, God, if these cameras weren't here. She would have his shirt off within three seconds. See, he's he's like six feet tall. He's got blonde hair. He's got dimples. Yeah. He's got muscles. Yeah. He cooks like expertly. He's yep. Australian. And he's Australian. Yeah. These women are weak in the knees at his very presence. And now yeah. they're, they're back at the house. They've changed into much more mm-hmm. yeah. nicer clothes. And there was there's and usually what happens at the end is that he makes them the dinner and everything. And the husband gets there like, what's, who's, what's going on here? Who's this man? <laughs> and, 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 and normally he serves them the dessert and he's like, all right, I'm going to leave you two here to have fun and, and, and whatever. And, but we saw one. 
very recently because yeah. when it's on at work, I would call Connor in. I mean, like, come here, you gotta watch this. And uh, We'd watch it for he an made hour. them, and there was no. She just invited her friend over. Yeah, there was no. She didn't and there know. was no. He never left. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh man, Score. I That's so awesome. want to see the outtakes of that show. See, the um, thing is, he leaves the house to do the the, the rap, and then yeah. Yeah. Our, our joke is he leves and does a circle. Yeah, what I'm here. Let's do it. But that it, this it's a great sociological. Oh, also, some fantastic much. cooking tips. Yeah, very cool. Uh, very quickly, there's really not reason to go into in depth about house, but um, every week uh, Hugh Laurie just puts on a showcase, an acting showcase. I mean, he's he's the reason to watch that show. He mm. just it's the same show, it's the same format. There's like there's a there's a disease to figure it out. <laughs> he gets into an argument, something oblique <laughs> he triggers his. You know, mem- you know his intelligence, and he, f- you know, he figures the disease out because because yeah. something that happens in the clinic. F- it's the same format, but the reason to watch it doesn't get boring because he is so such a good actor. He is an ama- he is, you know, the, the, the old story of the British actor coming to American television, blowing everybody away because yeah. he's classically trained. He's just fantastic. And this year they mixed it up. He had they had his underlings all quit at the end of last season, so he's been trying to bring in new people and like fed Cal Penn and they've had people like you know low level people right. come through there, and it's just. It's an acting showcase. Cool, very cool. So, um, I believe that my, uh, my the the hole in my heart ever since the nine hundred two one O's and the Felicities and the uh, Party Fives and the like shows went off the air and the OC went off the air. God, how old are you going to be when this stops? <laughs> it has been filled with uh, the gossip gossip girl on WB. I wasn't sure CW. about this show. CW, right? CW. I'm never going to let go of the WB, am I? Um, I wasn't sure about the show. It was based on a book, a bunch of YA books, young adult <laughs> books, and actually, which I found out when I bonded with Connor's little sister over the show because she had read the books while she was in high school. <laughs> yeah, but um, that that's about right. But yeah. it, 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 um, it's not as awkward as the, I was. I was tentative about it because it it sent the pilot. The pilot centered around a blog called Gossip Girl that tracked the lives of Upper East Side ki- high school kids, kind of so, the socialites, you know, the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, don't use the blog thing. Uh, but they've dropped that as quickly as they could. And it's become... Does it still feature narration by, uh, yeah, by Kristen Kristen Mars, yeah, 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 yeah. Every now and then she's still got, you know, Gossip Girl. But it's just in the beginning. She does the yeah. recap and then uh. just kind of like the setup. Um, but it, it's really interesting because it shoots in New York. Yeah. They shoot the whole thing in New York. So like the when they did the modeling, it's when, always so much more authentic when they yeah, shoot in New York. When they did like a, mo- a one of the girls becomes a model was out on the roof of Silver Cup. Yeah, you know, like you could I, and like it's literally places we go and I've seen. I know where they're shooting. It's fascinating. Um, but the standouts for me, I mean, so basically it's fish out of water. Kid from Williamsburg, Brooklyn, goes to the Upper East Side kind of prep school, doesn't fit in, <laughs> ends up going out with the popular girl, like that sort of thing. But um, what's great is that the kids from Brooklyn's dad. Is his the character is a um, an early '90s one-hit wonder rock star, so he's got records everywhere and guitars, and he's got kind of this cool air. Now he runs an art gallery in in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and the guy playing it—I don't know who he is—but he's so sincere and so kind of austere and wants the best for his kids, and and um, and the chemistry he has with the son, the, the fish out of water character, is just great. And um, there's kind of a love a love angle with. It's kind of weird though, because the son is going out with the popular girl, and there's a love tri- love angle with the father and the popular girl's mother. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but and so it's kind of doing that OC where you're as interested in the parents as you are the kids. But it's just been really great. And it's a lot of fun. Well, it's, uh, what's it's funny fun. is that I watched the pilot and all of that stuff was where the pilot left off. So that would be driving me nuts. Well, yeah, no, it's it's, it's progressed. It's progressed. Uh-huh. And what was it's really getting a lot of good good word. Yeah, like, no, it's, it's been good. good. And what's really interesting is that they they seem to take risks. Like there was one episode where like the opening thing. They basically showed a bunch of scenes from the whole episode in like the first two minutes, like, and that's what this what's going to happen this week. And like, it was kind of like they're taking risks here they're and trying there to, to see what works. And like, you got to skip the yeah. credits when you watch a Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, in the same, same way. Same thing, yeah. Oh, you can't. No, I, oh yeah. Well, no, I don't. I love that. That's my favorite part of Battlestar Galactica is the, is the highlights from the that episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's so cool. I love no, that. That's I so cool. Well, my sister time. still yeah. loves Gospel Girl, so you guys continue to bond over that. Fantastic. Uh, you want to talk about taking risks? Um, the Shield. Yep. Uh, I, the season before last, I literally thought there's no way this can get better. Yeah. Um, and this season, well, this was supposed to be it for the shoot. Yes, it was. Um, but they just had too much to do. This is this is like so not Network 101. They they didn't they didn't continue the show to make more money. They continued the show to finish the story. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. And, they did. And, they, and they just said they like had one more story to tell. It's like the Sopranos. Yeah. Where it had left off. Uh, we sort of touched on this earlier when we talked about. Oh, Mad I don't Men. know if the Sopranos are on the list. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sopranos yeah, there's a reason. Um, <laughs> oh, I liked it. Anyway. Uh, the, the, where, the, where the shield left off was just this huge climactic event where one of the main characters killed another one of the main characters, and that's where we come back to start this last season. And you should, by all rights, hate the person who did that. Because you've been, well, he did already. He was right. You've been trained to hate him the whole time, but they they did it somehow where they made him somewhat sympathetic. Yeah. And 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 everybody's alliances had to be checked, and and Forrest Whitaker again was. Creeping the hell out of everybody on screen, well, and what was great is when 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 main character A killed main character B. Mm-hmm. You know, me and you and other people who watch it were all like, "Oh man, main character A is so dead." Right. Vic Mackey's gonna find out, and he's gonna crucify his head's gonna be on a platter. And so we're all waiting for that moment in the end of the show where he's gonna he's gonna get his revenge, and it didn't happen. And they no. Went, and they went. They they made the hard choice. They didn't give us what we wanted. They they gave us. Something else that's going to lead to a really probably very meaty final season. And we're left with all of these ambiguous moral choices again. Yeah. And it's just – it was just more of the same in a good way. Yep. And, and I cannot wait to see what happens in the end <laughs> is except for that the writers didn't have anything to do with the it. The writers strike hit for the final episode. <laughs> so they didn't get that. So they weren't on do. set. They didn't get to the, uh, the executive think, producer. Was, was there any – was it noticeably different or well, – I don't know. Happened. It hasn't it has, happened. Oh, it hasn't happened. Yeah. The executive producer wasn't on set. Yikes. And it's his baby. I mean, it's an auteur show, I think, yeah. if, if anything. Yeah. Uh, but but either way, I mean, like, it wasn't really a down period for the show. Maybe the no, third no. season was sort of the least interesting, and then or maybe the fourth. But then it started to gain momentum uh, when Glenn Close came on, and like yeah. since then, it's just been it's every single yeah. every single show has been excellent. There's not a better show to watch week by week. Right, because if you watch them on DVD, you can't help but watch the next one. Six. You, you lose eight. I hours. caught up the first three seasons of DVD, and I would watch four or five in a row. You c- you can't stop. I'd be up till three in the morning, the and then and know. then and then your whole life would be wasted. <laughs> Which brings us to our next show. Um, if Pushing Daisies is my favorite new show this season, then then Life is. Um, Damian Lewis, who was uh, Win- Major Winters in Band of Brothers, is the star. I've got his- um, the conceit is he was. Framed for murder. He was a police police officer in Los Angeles, framed for murder, so he went to jail for 12 years. Um, and he was a cop in prison, so he was – every bone in his body that's, was – That's what you don't want to be Every in bone prison. in his body was broken. You know, to survive, he, 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 he took on Zen. He, 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 he read about the art of Zen, and he's, he's – he Took on Zen. He was so a, this isn't a television adaptation of Eddie Murphy's life. No, it's not. Okay. Um, so, then he, so then he's let out – they find out he was framed. They let him out of prison – as part of the settlement, they gave him like a ton of money, and they made him a detective. 
Um, so <laughs> he has uh, a really hard job. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of weird. Well, he wants he wants to yeah. return to the police force. Right, yeah. They made him a, they made him a detective, and they gave him an undisclosed amount of money. But he lives in a huge fucking house with yeah. a bi- with cars and um, what's his name uh, Adam uh, Alan Arkin Adam Arkin Adam Arkin oh, the yeah. son. He was a cellmate, and he's out too. He does he does the books, and he's the comic relief. And um, it's there's two tracks. It was he's 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 investigating crimes, but he's also investigating who framed him. And the the, the great thing about this is a lot of these shows don't make it to the end. So you never find out what happened. Mm-hmm. But they they they're ending the mystery this season. So oh wow. Anyway, it's it's, it's almost like House, and it's an acting showcase. Damian Lewis has got that thing that that stars have. Yeah. Where you can't not look at him when he's on screen. He's not the best looking guy in the world. Like he's sort of he's he's handsome, but he's not like classically handsome. He's mm-hmm. got bright red hair. Um, but when he's on the screen, you don't look at anyone else. He's just charismatic. Yeah. And he's his character's really quirky, and he's he's like he's you know Zen master, but he's also he's also been in prison, so he he's got flashes of temper. He carries a knife, and he pulls it on perps sometimes when they piss him wow. off because he feels like you know he's perps flashes, need a beaten flashes back to the yard and stuff. But he's 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 so great, and it's really smartly written, and it's really really real well done show. And that that's an interesting thing because I, I don't watch that show, but um, but a show that that I have similar feelings about um, was a new show, one of my favorite new shows on ABC, Dirty Sexy Money. Um, and initially, I was in it because Peter Krause from Six Feet Under, right. Sports Night, who I love, was was the main character. Um, but and uh, again, you know, a lot of film actors are coming back to TV and kind of showing that. And in this case, Donald Sutherland, uh, mm-hmm. Keith Kiefer Sullivan's father, and you know, classic actor Mash, you know, JFK. When you yeah. say that, when yeah. you say his yeah. name, yeah. all I see is him on a bench with Kevin Costner, right. just <laughs> listing. Things. And the thing about the show, the show, the show is it's it's good. I mean, it's it's a it's a fun show. It's about a. Um, very rich, rich, uh, famous family in New York. They don't shoot in New York, conversely, compared to Gossip Girl. Right. Um, and following their exploits, and and each member of the family is kind of a different eccentricity. Peter Krause is their lawyer. Peter Krause is their lawyer, trying to keep everything on it. But there's a and there's a mystery of Peter Krause's father was their lawyer, and he died, and Peter Krause suspects he was murdered, so he's investigating it. Um, he's trying to find out who did it. But um, the thing about it is that Donald Sutherland is the patriarch of the family. He's a, a real estate tycoon mogul type thing, and when he is on screen. You can't look away. Right. He completely he dominates dominates and dazzles and and it's honestly it's a I realized this it's a and when I was recommending shows to my mother it's a modern day dynasty for all intents right. purposes I mean it's no different than any of those it's an adult themed kind of a, a rich family and machinations and people cheating on each other and things like that but every time I find myself waiting for Donald Sutherland to come on screen because every time it's amazing and he, this range of emotion that he's shown in the in the, what the eight episodes we've seen so far from finding out his wife cheated on him to the death of his best friend to the you know to all these different things you know all these different things that happened to him he it's been he's been sensitive he's been real he's been machiavellian he's been um it's just it's it's, it's the amazing. rosario dawson effect yeah it's, it's the rosario dawson and clerks when you too. have in clerks yeah. too when you have a real a good really good actor compared to the people oh around. right yeah yeah, yeah it, the, the, that actor looks that much better mm-hmm. but it's not like but he's you know, also he's, he's amazing actor, actor. Yeah. yeah exactly yeah. so so like that it's like i cannot not watch it because he's just amazing and so yeah, yeah so um I the the one show that no one ever seems to talk about, uh, and I would have never thought I would have liked was I caught up on Weeds this season. I heard um, very good things, about which that. is on Showtime, like yeah. um, and it's got uh, Mary Louise Parker, who uh, made me love her on The West Wing. Yep. I mean, I mean, love I le- her. love her. And I, I don't <laughs> love her as much on this because she's not the same character. But this is uh, also ex- Kevin Nealon. Kevin Nealon is so funny on this show. That like it makes you long for the days when the people on Saturday Night Live were all genuinely funny. Um, 
Uh, and, 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 you know, just every, every, this is one of those shows, it's a great ensemble cast. This has probably been my favorite comedy since Arrested Development. Mm. It's much more of a satire. Is on, this, it's not a drama? No, it's a comedy, but it's episodic and serialized, and there is some drama involved. Mm. Um, I thought it was a drama. No, it's not. It's, it's basically a satire on, like, modern suburban... Well, she's a suburban drug dealer, right? Yes. Yeah. She, basically, her, they, she lived in one of those uh, sort of tracked home, giant McMansion, Southern California uh, communities, all rich white people, you know, or, you know Orange County, right. uh, Republican enclaves, sort of. And her husband dies, and the only way that she can continue to support her lifestyle and her kids' lifestyle is to start selling pot. And so, basically, the conceit of the show is that shit just keeps getting bigger and bigger and out of control. And every time she starts to make a choice, at the end of the episode, they left you with something. You're like, oh, that's just the worst thing that could possibly happen to you. And they and they up it every week. Um, this season was great. And it, I think the show could have ended at the end of the season. So I don't actually know what's going to happen next. This show is so good and so smart uh, that... I, I wish it wasn't on Showtime because, <laughs> um, but you could you could get the DVDs. You could get a Showtime is like the new HBO. I mean, I, I I caught up on I watched the first season of Dexter and mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed that. The Oz reunion that. show. Um, yeah, yeah, pretty much. And, <laughs> is it? No, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It is oh yeah, big, big time. Yeah, but it's but it's been good. It's been really good. Yeah, I've um, watched some of that. And, I've, yeah, yeah, awesome. and I've heard good things about Californication and so so Showtime mm-hmm. is Showtime is building momentum. No, we, Weeds is yeah. is one of the best comedies being done right now. Yeah. So when your TV goes on strike, hypothetically, hypothetically, <laughs> in some weird universe, it might, they might go off the air. Uh, there's television to be found on the web. Yeah, I mean, if anybody hasn't really noticed, uh, videos kind of become a big deal on the web. Are um, we a biased source for this? Yeah, we maybe. might be a little Possibly. biased. Um, uh, to disclose, we uh, we have a show, I Fanboy. That um, <laughs> I what? I Fanboy. I mumbled. I Fanboy that it talks about comics, which which we're pretty proud of. And, and it's on Revision Three. And hopefully, you all have watched it and have enjoyed it. So that's pretty cool. Um, but there are other great shows out there when you're not watching our show, mm-hmm. um, and that we've you know. And it's funny because we were talking about it earlier, and and um, I think 2006 was big for us in terms of discovering IPTV. Right. Um, 2007 took a bit of a dip, um, not because there's not quality out there, but I think because just because we got busy. Um, <laughs> well, when you're making your own IPTV, <laughs> yeah, those are all less hours to be watching other IPTV. Right, exactly. Because there are only so many hours in the day. And I think out of the three of us, I- I've kind of kept up the most because it's my day job. So like, <laughs> well, I've also, had to keep up with it. You, you know, also but... uh, canceled your t- your cable and got yes, rid of TV earlier in the year. And I... Is this because of your Apple TV? Well, I did get an Apple TV. It's not because of it. It's just because of... I'm asking. I'm wondering if that made an impact on your IPTV viewing. Uh, no, it helped it. It definitely helped okay. it a lot to, to be able to download the stuff and watch it on my HDTV. It was fantastic. Um, but that didn't cause... I mean, life made me cause to cancel mm-hmm. my cable, but I don't get to that. But... Um, um, but it, it definitely – devices like Apple TV and now Xbox 360 has that support and stuff like that made it a lot easier to say, hey, this is a great show on the internet. Um, I want to watch it on a regular basis and have it download. And, and it be, I was able for a while there. I planned my week. I mean I would you know turn on my computer and I'd watch – there's a couple of short-form daily kind of tech videos that I'd watch mm-hmm. and then I'd watch – I'd go down to TV every you know every Wednesday night and watch a, a long-form video that I knew would downloaded and was great. So um, – so and it's interesting, at least for me, because I think 2007 was really the first year because this all kind of started in the Silicon Valley kind of tech industry kind of thing where there are a lot of tech shows, things like Dignation and stuff like that that we, um, you know, that that I watched and things like that. But now, if it's going to make it, it's got to branch off into other it's genres. Got to. Yeah, exactly. It's got to so, get out of the niche of tech yeah, video. Exactly. But 
Still in the, in the tech video. Well, right? we're going to start off like that. It's kind of, Full disclosure on the show. Yeah, yes. full disclosure. This is a Revision 3 show, but they didn't make me sign anything, so I can say what I want about it. Uh, <laughs> Actually, um... um you, you, you can't. Um, uh, as the representative of my family. <laughs> uh, I wanted to just bring up Techzilla because uh, despite of, of what one might think, it actually is, is really... It's good. Um, well, it's and I say that you... because basically I didn't watch um, – I, I only started to watch uh, in digital. Yeah. Yeah, in digital before, and I never watched the screensavers. I was just going to say, you didn't, you didn't wa- watch you didn't, Tech TV. Yeah, Connor yeah. and I watched Tech TV, and, and every day the screensavers of Patrick Norton, Leo Laporte, and Kevin Rose and all the people there, it was like must-watch TV for us nerds in like 2003, 2004. Right. You know, well, so. see, I didn't really find myself uh, watching in digital and being very hooked in by it. Um, I find that Patrick Norton uh, is – it's just some people are really good at being on camera and talking to an audience like that, and he's really good at that. Um, so I've, I've actually been really enjoying Techzilla, uh, and it's sort of interesting how it goes from uh, sort of t- uh, very in-depth tech stuff to sort of uh, more more common man sort of things. Yeah. Um, and even to the extent like when the when the little one-minute shows started coming up, the daily shows, I was annoyed. I was like, I don't want these in my feed. I don't want and then I found myself watching them, and because it only takes a minute – it pretty much was the same amount of time as it took for me to delete it as to watch it, and I'll be like, I'll be like, you know, that's kind of that's kind of helpful. Um, so I think that it's a first. I think you're seeing a first step because it's actually a studio show, um, where we're getting back to getting away from say people in their living room with a camera, a couple guys on a couch, right? Yeah, something like that. Where it's 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 just a little more. It's, it's sort of the next step in in that evolution. It's it's been very good. It's using a very traditional TV model, yeah. but I think it's one of those things you see the personalities and the uh, passion of things uh, really come across. And and I, I and you know what's funny is that all of the negative stuff that came after in digital was canceled seems to have gone away because people you can't not like Patrick Norton for some reason you can't be like this show. He's a jerk. No, he's all right. No. But, you know, so he's always been one of my favorite parts of Twit, which is gone. <laughs> well, that's like <laughs> so cool. Um, so one one show that I discovered that's not that's not on Revision Three. I think the rest of the ones that we're talking about no, are no. Revision Three. Um, but the wonderful program at Revision Three dot com, which you should go check <laughs> out. Um, <laughs> um, uh, it's interesting because I was saying you know it's got to break from away from the tech stuff, and and I'm a big music fan. And there's one uh, one show called Takeaway Shows, which I don't know who does it. I forget who what they're associated with, but the concept is fantastic. And what they've done is they 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 it's 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 French. It's it's done in Europe. I know that much. And France, it's, Europe. And, it's, um, and what they do is they, they, they get a band and they go somewhere in public and then have the band perform and just tape what happens. So like the one the one that kind of caught me in was they had architecture in Helsinki and what architecture in Helsinki did was they actually got a bunch of people and they scattered the band up throughout an apartment building in different windows and they had people down on the on the sidewalk and they had the crowd and they taught the crowd the song and they played this song and it became almost like this event in the neighborhood where it happened. Um, and little things like that with different with different kind of mainly indie bands that sort of thing in Europe um, in Europe yeah okay. and it's really kind of interesting to see w- what they do each each one is kind of each episode is kind of an adventure it's just it's just really how often me. is it released I have no idea I don't know <laughs> I, I just recently discovered it within yeah. the past like two months so it's it's been but um, it's definitely been very very cool it's, you know takeaway shows is a lot of fun so uh, I think if you discount Dignation right now I think that granddaddy of of web short webisodes has got to still be asking Ninja. 
who have to be probably the most successful at it too. Well, yeah, well they they got a big deal and then they actually what the problem with S Ninja was that there was no regularity to it right. and they've been like on clockwork recently. They, uh, like surprisingly so, like at least once a week. See, what I loved about S Ninja before was I could fall behind a few months and yes. still only have to catch up for one episode. Yeah. But now, with the lack of time that I have, when I fall behind a couple of months, I have to watch eight episodes. Yeah. yeah. Which is fine. It's not like a chore, but it's just like, yeah. okay, now we Well, way here's behind. the thing. And, and, and uh, I stopped watching Homestar Runner a long time ago. And it's yeah. a, like, I assumed it would be a little bit like that. It's still funny. Yeah. And it's actually, it's if you watch earlier ones, you go back, you can it's actually not as see. Funny. No, I was gonna. No, it is funny. You, yeah. you can see it evolving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, totally. Really, when, they did, when Pirates of the Caribbean came out, as mm-hmm. opposed to doing a special Pirates review, they just played the, the old, old Pirates one. review, right. and you could see the difference. He was quieter. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. But they've been doing lately. They've been doing these omnibus episodes yeah. Yeah. where he just goes rapid fire through questions, yeah. and they are hysterical. Yeah, they're amazing. Yeah. A, a ninja schnoof. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you fall asleep. <laughs> I mean, like that was just that, was, and that was an all international one. That specific one, yeah. they've been really fun. They did a couple of live shows this yeah. year. Um, it's just been really good. You should watch it. It's three minutes of your time. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but another show that's like that, um, that's that's like Ask a Ninja. It's Tiki a, Bar TV, yeah. which is you know, it's it makes you feel bad quality wise because they put their quality level is so high. Um, you wonder why every show can't be of that level. And sometimes it's, technical quality, acting quality. The the episodes are beautiful. I mean, like yeah. they, they may and and unlike Ask a Ninja, they come out maybe monthly. Yeah, you know, one mm-hmm. month if that. Um, and you can see why because they, I mean, it's not their day jobs; so they have to do this well, on their own time. But but the quality of yeah. the production is yeah. incredible. Tiki Bar is definitely favorite, but one of the the people. In but the, also, I'm um, just it's yeah. really funny. I mean, yeah, it's, it's hysterical. It's hysterical. Yeah. They're all yeah. really funny, and it's and if you like booze. Yes, it uh, yeah. you can learn. But each drinks. one's funnier than the next. Yeah, yeah. So. But um, people in uh, talking about people, you know, just doing things on their own. Um, we, I think, last year we were talking about because we were in the midst of discovering uh, the show with Zay Frank, yeah. uh, which ended in March. He did an entire that was this year. year. Yeah, it, it ended, ended March year. 2007, yeah. March 17th. Yeah. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so if you didn't, if you didn't catch the phenomenon that was Zay Frank, he um, every day he did a yeah. he did like a, a, a five minute video. That was just hysterical. Every weekday. Every weekday. For a year. Hyster- for a year. And he ended it on March. And since he ended it, like when the strike happened, he did a quick little video. He's done a couple of quick kind of hits to remind us that he's still out there. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he's working on. Is it still on the feed? Like, so it would just... No, it's been through Blip. I think oh. Blip TV, Blip, blip.tv slash Frank or zayfrank.blip.tv. Um, just search Frank. But um, if you didn't, again... You, you can go yourself, back. The archives yeah, are the archives there. there. Go to zayfrank.com forward slash the show. If you find yourself at work and you don't really want to work for a day, just start watching them. And if you haven't watched the whole year, I would say, Josh, I would yeah. say go watch no, it no, because no. they were hyster- hysterical. The, I remember the ending being really strong. The last couple was well, he embraced the community. Right. Yeah. Well, there was one that he did. It was the second or third to last one where he had like clips that everybody had sent in, which he'd been sort of uh, soliciting the whole time. Yeah. And they were so friggin' Uh, honest and yeah, touching yeah. and genuine that I was like yeah. tearing up as I'm watching these things and it's funny because it was a half an hour I was like I don't want to watch this I don't know who these people are yeah. but I'm watching it was all about creating and making art and doing the thing and yeah. and that and then he did one right after that where he was sort of talking to us and thanking the people it was just it was, it was amazing yeah, it was great so 
Um, and then a similar kind of one-man show that I really liked, which did a bunch in the first half of the year and he hasn't done any since. No, he hasn't. Um, uh, the Merlin Show, starring Merlin Mann. You might be familiar with Merlin Mann. He's been on This Week in Tech. He does, he's on MacBreak Weekly. He's kind of a productivity. 43folders.com is his site. He's kind of a productivity guru. He is guru. the best Twitterer He is the best Twitterer. On the if web. You, if you're on Twitter, go find Merlin Mann. But um, he did a show called The Merlin Show, which was supposed to be kind of him interviewing people he found interesting and Mac tips, Quicksilver tips, stuff like that. He very quickly dropped the Quicksilver and Mac tips and it became just one-on-one -on -one interviews with people he found interesting but it's veered away from technology so he interviewed like a, a bunch of musicians like um uh, what's his name uh john vanderslice which is a, a fascinating episode uh jesse thorne the guy who does the sound of young america podcast and like there's these great kind of conversations that you almost feel i almost feel like i'm invading mm -hmm. like i feel as if the camera shouldn't be there you know mm -hmm. because it's like this is the conversation that I, uh, i'm i'm you know i shouldn't be eavesdropping on mm -hmm. and it was just really engaging and always fun and always good to watch and i hope he does more he just had a baby so maybe that might affect the schedule but yeah. um but it was it he was, had a baby he, his wife had a baby so. he, that would have been newsworthy. He certainly would be a wizard of some kind. <laughs> so, um, so, but IPTV, IPTV, it was a good year. It's kind of getting more solidified. I don't think it's going anywhere. No, no. And if you haven't gone to iTunes um, recently, go to iTunes, go to the podcast section. They have their best of 2007 lists, and they've got a list of new shows in 2007 and the classic shows. Um, go check out both those lists of uh, podcasts, of video podcasts, just to see what's out there, because a lot of stuff is out there. There's a lot of growth this year. Hey, look, it's um, us. No, I didn't no, say well, that. Well, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe. 2005, we did this first all media show and we talked a lot about video games world of warcraft dominated the whole discussion because we and were, our lives. we were we were in deep <laughs> we were in deep <laughs> we lost I told, a year. I told Ron earlier today I, I have dreams occasionally about world of warcraft still like oh, yeah. lingers. Still. Oh, it lingers. Yeah. Yeah, 2 yeah. years I'll on i'll make a joke every once in a while or yeah, yeah. yeah or i'll read something about like an update and i'll be like yeah. oh that does sound like yeah. fun and i'll remember uh, 2006 the all media show no video games we kind of we, we, we kind of went we cold went turkey straight. on video games turns yeah. out that christmas of 2006 josh got an xbox uh this year they're back so Oh, Josh, take us, take it away. Um, well, you may remember that uh, I had a bit of a surgical emergency this year, yep. um, and uh, thank God for Skate from <laughs> EA Games. Uh, it's funny because I I was reading about, I was I don't really pay attention to games. I'm familiar with the names. Like for, I know. We should also remind people we are not gamers. We don't have. We're, we're no. casual gamers. We're very jo casual. I think Josh and I are more than Connor. No, we're still like, very. I mean, got, I'm very I mean, casual. I mean, That's what I uh, Yeah, I mean, and I play is, my Wii every day. I mean, I'm, we just, I'm we're old, casual. I'm, yeah, we're casual. But I mean, I used to be like I used to buy PC gamer. I used to buy computer gaming monthly. I used to be a gamer. Really. And I didn't really get into it with the consoles. I did more PC stuff. But as I've used my PC more for podcasts and work, I've done less gaming with that um so yeah so now i'm in with you guys in casual yeah i really i just don't have time to game yeah. very much anymore um so i spent the first half of the year basically playing 2000 or fifa 2007 or 6 and, and god of war not god of war no what gears of war because I, yeah. I got that with my xbox and i had fun with right. it and everything i'm not looked, that that it's gorgeous gears of war gave me nightmares that yeah game. that game gave me nightmares for weeks um but that's from last year but oh, right, i did play it this game, year game, either way uh then the then the, the machine went dark for a while i basically just played soccer for 10 minutes at a time for a while and then i read about skate now for me tony hawk's pro skater was like yeah. that was the game yeah when that first came out and i bought every iteration of it after that and i had fun with it but eventually i get bored of it yeah. you know at the part where it started to be more about bam argera for some reason <laughs> um so i was reading about skate and how it's got real physics and i was like ooh, this sounds like the kind of thing for me so i go and i pick it up um and i remember specifically not having enough money to do that like i was like if i buy this i'm not gonna be able to afford lunch for the rest of the week but i went and i bought it yeah. and i knew i had a whole weekend to play it so i was pretty excited because my wife was going away <laughs> because this is, this is this is what this is what my life is like, um, and I got the Xbox Red Ring of Death. Yeah, like nice. twenty minutes into playing the game, so they it took three weeks to get my game, my my Xbox. But no, maybe five weeks, I think. Yeah. Um, 
I got the, I got it back. Then I had to have surgery, and so I ended up in bed. And I played I played skate like nonstop for for days and days. And then I got to the point where I wasn't good enough to keep going. <laughs> like I'm literally stuck. I can't yeah. get past where I am. Um, but it's a beautiful game. It's great. It, it's where if you're sick of Tony Hawk, which was starting to get ridiculous. Like ramp off the elephant and then hit the space station and then yeah, it got, like, it got wacky. Didn't it? This yeah. one, this one's hard. Like back to basics. Yeah, yeah, and it's all based on real physics, and you use the sticks to move. The, the controllers the are fairly intuitive. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. it's a really it's it's a fun game. It's really good. Um, it's cool. hard later on. Yeah. So, so, and, and you when, fell in love, didn't well, you? Well, no. Then you had so you had your emergency surgery, and didn't you get get through it? And you got yourself a little gift. I bought right? myself a little present. Yeah. Um, was... I had not played Guitar Hero One or Guitar Hero Two or Guitar Hero Two of the eighties because I'm like, hey, you know what? I I I played I play real guitar. I don't need to do this. Yeah. But eventually, it got to me. Yeah. And I wanted. Well, to... the talk was nonstop. The talk was nonstop, and so I went and I picked up Guitar Hero Three. Yeah. Um. And I, I was playing it. I was fun. And there's some of it's harder than playing real guitar, and some of it's really easy. I don't. I can't tell if playing real guitar makes it easier or not. Yeah. I haven't decided. I've heard it, it makes it harder. But, but I have never seen such a thing as when Ron came over the first day. <laughs> now I knew the game existed. I heard it was fun. I wasn't sure if Guitar Hero One actually had real songs or if it was made up songs. I think it was like they were, made they were up. like they were inspired songs, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then Guitar Hero Two, and then the eighties edition, they started getting real songs. But it was really Guitar Hero Three where like there were real like Slash was in it and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Where and it was the kind of thing where I was kind of actively avoiding it. For, like, fe- for fear right. of what happened, right? <laughs> and I'll let you guys. Well, we we were all hanging out one night, and we bro- Josh broke it out and showed us, and then Ron strapped on the guitar and didn't strap it off for a couple of hours, and then the big I couldn't get him to leave. The huge <laughs> smile plastered on his face also didn't didn't go off for it because nothing Ron was more in his life than to be in a band. No, actually, that's the funny thing is I don't. Yes, that, you no, do. No, you want to be in a band? No, I don't. No, I don't. No, because here's the here's the thing is that I made my piece years ago. Right. That you, I had no musical talent right, and but, I. Couldn't be in a band. If right. you had the musical maybe, ability, maybe. you even said it that night is that you just yeah. wish you could play guitar. Yeah, that's what you want more than anything, and this is well, what I want more than anything. Like I said, I made my peace with it. Yeah, so well. it's a, at one point I did, you know, like in ninth. You should grade. make him a one more day type offer. Yeah, <laughs> if you were given a one more day type offer, you would probably <laughs> let her die. Let the bitch die. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, think it, I think it would be us. That's um, later. I think he would trade but, us um, to be in a band. But so so, and it was funny because I because I, I my only exposure to it then was playing in a Josh's, and then. Um, you know, then I was out in California for a while. I couldn't play. I was kind of itching. And luckily enough, my sister got it for me for Christmas. And the, the, I was telling the guys earlier, the comment on Christmas Day was as I'm playing it. My sister goes, it's like, you look like you think you're playing. <laughs> well, and I think that that's the thing that's been the most fun about it. And we're – Yes. Uh, is yeah. that I've played in bands, not a whole lot, but, you know, I've done that. It very accurately simulates the experience of being – playing along with other people and doing stuff. Yeah. And at the same time, it takes you one step higher. You're actually playing a Guns N' Roses song. Right. right. And like, it's actually and what's coming out of there. So it feels vaguely like you're making that. And on, <laughs> and on Christmas Day, when I discovered the Stone Roses song as a bonus track, mm-hmm. I probably shit my pants. And I played it like five times in a row. And, I'm, and he didn't by my, I'm by myself in my sister's house. They went to my brother-in-law's cousin's. I'm by myself in my sister's house, jumping up and down, playing She Bangs the Drum. Uh-huh. And at one point, I'm like, I'm playing Stone Roses! <laughs> and, like, and then I realized I was alone, and it was kind of pathetic. And you weren't really playing but, it. And I wasn't really playing it at all, yeah. But it was a lot um, of fun. And now... So I got to the end of... Uh, of not Guitar Hero 3. Although I've, I have hit my... In that, limit. just like Skate, I hit my limit, and it's somewhere in the... 
Um, Mid mediums or no, it's in hard. Yeah. Uh, I'm stuck on the Queens of the Stone Age area. I hate that. I hate that section. I hate that. It's group. really hard at this yeah. point, and I'm not even on expert. But all I guess is the genius of this game mm-hmm. is that, and if they do it right, I hope they do. But if they do it right, if they put out downloadable packs of songs, or they've been doing for Xbox, not so much for Wii yet, but they will be in 2008. If they put, like, if they put together the Britpop pack one, mm-hmm. I'll, I'm buying it. I can't. Britpop I, pack I, two, I'm buying it. I hate Punk, that I can't play with you because you're on a yeah. Wii and I'm on an Xbox. I know. I think yeah, that would yeah. that would be cool. But it did happen that last night um, I, I bought Rock Band. <laughs> you broke down and bought it. Also, I've lived in my apartment for near for a year and a half, yeah. and uh, the neighbor, my downstairs uh, landlady came up for the first time ever at 11.20 last night. <laughs> it sounds like someone's playing drums or banging. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. So I, I've got an elaborate stack of rugs put under it because I happen to live upstairs. But the whole thing about it is that it's the gameplay, and that kind of leads into the other gaming kind of revolution that happened this year, which is the Nintendo Wii, which, again, I was aware of. Knew it was out there. Knew it would be hard to get, but also was kind of purposely avoiding it and never played it. Mm-hmm. Then at the San Diego Comic-Con... Uh, Gordon, the intern, and I were walking around the mall one day, and we passed a store that had them, and kind of idly talked about how we should buy one. It'd be fun, and uh, so he then, went ahead and bought them. So it was like three weeks later, and I'm going to visit him, and he's like, "Hey, can you bring back something for Connor?" And I'm like, "Sure, what?" He's like, "A Wii." I'm like, "You got a Wii?" He's like, "I'm like, why don't you get me one?" <laughs> and so I bring this Wii back, Interstate Transit for Connor. <laughs> and, Wait a minute, Gordon doesn't live with us, huh? And um. And about a, I delivered it to you, and then like a week later, we were, shoot, we were doing something, and you brought it over, and yeah. we played it, and it was similar to the guitar here, where within the first two minutes of playing it, I said, I have to get one of these. Yeah. And then, for me, it was a mission of getting the Wii, and then it's been... And it's as simple as, as just playing the games that come with the, with this, with the system, the, the Wii, Wii Sports, Sports games. Yeah. I mean, even those, those people who have never played the Wii before, it's interesting to watch them play the first time, because they're, like, it's, it's, they're blown away by the interactivity of the game. Yeah. And it's fantastic. I've bought other games. I've got Mario Strikers Charged. I got. I just bought bought a bunch of games for, for Christmas, and yep. and they're all really fun. But to me, nothing beats the purity of playing the sports games. I and mean, that's I play those every day. Yeah, the sport, sports are awesome. And I got Guitar Hero for the Wii, and it. And Granted, I haven't it. played the Star Wars game yet with the lightsaber, so that might change my whole opinion yeah. on the sports games being the pinnacle. Some, but Gordon the intern got that for Christmas, and and he said it's fun. So let's yeah. not let's not discount though. There is a lot of danger. <laughs> we arm is no joke. <laughs> we arm, warm. thousands, warm. <laughs> After that first night, I brought it over. Me, Josh, Josh's wife, and Ron all had painful right arms. Oh, we arm shoulder blade. <laughs> yeah, yep. yep. like hell. But and now I'm finding with Guitar, Guitar Hero that to balance the repetitive stress injury in my right arm from typing and mousing all day at work, now I've got it in my left arm from fretting <laughs> and doing that. But it's just and admittedly, Guitar Hero three on the Wii graphics aren't as good as they are on the Xbox three hundred and sixty, but the gameplay's still there, the music is still there, and it still mm-hmm. fucking rocks. And the Wii has been one of the, the Apple TV and the Wii were the two best purchases I made in two thousand seven. Like I do not regret them at all. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's your video games. Yay. Word, uh, but but when there's been no uh, TV and no games and no anything, there's finally there's a couple of minutes to spare. Thank God for the Netflix. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and soon enough, they will have the rest of ER ready for me. Uh, there are point. over seventy-five thousand titles, which will bring it to seventy-five thousand and one. Uh, there are no late fees. Free shipping both ways. Fast delivery plans starting from four ninety-nine, and they have a two-week free trial if you go over to www.netflix.com/ifanboy. Um, we, of course, highly recommend that. Yes. Indeed. M- music. So, yeah, so when we were driving 
from place to place, driving to the movies, driving to go pick up the video game. You listen to music now. Oh, um, How do we fit all this in? I have no I, idea. I it's don't. amazing. Um, but I, 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 um, we're all big music fans, and, and we were saying a video show about music and stuff like that, so it's a big thing. Music's been tough, tough for the last couple of years. I think a combination of the fact that we're getting older and busier, so it's kind of hard to keep up, but also is that personally I don't think that as much – it's been harder to find the good new stuff, mm-hmm. um, and the trends might not particularly go in directions I like. Like I'm not, you know, like appears of like remixes and DJing and stuff like that is getting really big, and I'm not really into that stuff like Aesop Rock and stuff like that. And then I'm not, you know, kind of underground hip hop and things like that that I don't really dig. But um, I'm always looking out for something to, that's going to blow me away musically. And this year, and I almost didn't include it in this list because I didn't think it came out this year, but it actually came out in February of '07. But um, of Montreal's mm-hmm. latest record, um, Hissing Fauna, blah blah blah, some long name. Um, of Montreal was a band that I was aware of. They were kind of doing the indie rock thing. They're out of Athens, Georgia. This new record blew me away when it came out. It was this bizarre combination of indie rock and like Bowie-esque glam and a little bit of electronic and just like but the songs like the songs were imminently danceable like you just I couldn't you can't keep you can't sit still when they're on. You may not realize if you hang around Ron like he dances constantly. <laughs> and um he was and, a choreographer in the early 90s. Nice. And Fosse. He was and, on the Fly Girls. And the um the record just was had so much energy and it was so unique compared to anything I've heard in the most recent time. It wasn't just the same thing and that's kind of what we always look for something new. Um then I saw them live and they've kind of go overboard in terms of theatrics and kind of props and all these kind of things but it was just a fun show and like if I did like one record of the year that that I'm still listening to is of Montreal I mean definitely Mm -hmm. haven't checked it out it's it's unlike anything I'd heard and it just really made me excited for music so Uh, do you ever find something and it it gets stuck in your head and you can't stop listening to it and you lose any track of whether it's any good or not you just continue to listen to it so this year I'm not cool this is right off okay (laughs) at all I I watched Netflix and I got Stranger Than Fiction and I watched it and I'm like this band is stuck in my head (laughs) and so I start listening to some Spoon albums and it gets me well that's what I was like and I called Ron I was like are these guys good or am I just because I don't even know anymore because I don't have any frame of reference and he's like no no I think you're okay and so I start listening to the the albums and and then in um, July uh, their new album Ga 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 which uh, the shit out of me (laughs) yeah that's a horrible name comes out and I start listening to it, and it's pretty good, and whatever, and blah, blah, blah. I'm not enjoying it as much as the other one. And then all of a sudden, I find myself with a constant loop of every single song on the album in my head at one time or another, and I can't stop listening to it. Yeah. Uh, and there's a thing where I think that these guys are among the best people producing rock albums right now. Because Ron and I went to a Spoon show, yeah. and it wasn't a bad show. But whatever is on the album, and it's not even that there's tricks or anything like that, they're just incredibly well-recorded and produced albums. I mean, so much so... They're a studio band. Yeah, but to say that means that they can't really play live, and that's not really it. I mean, like you say, like, I'm going to go way back. I remember whenever I used to hear Stone Temple Pilots play live when I was in high school, I was like, God, they sound they sound like hell every time I've heard them play live. But their albums because they suck. No, I know that, <laughs> but, like, but they didn't sound like they sucked on right. the album is right. what I'm saying. And it's not like that. They weren't bad live. It was just right. missing some element that the recording process puts into it. Not unlike, I mean, you could even say like Beatles were kind of like, they stopped playing live because they couldn't replicate yeah. what they were doing. That's what I mean by studio. They're not um, bad. Whereas on the other hand, and I'll get into this later, Radiohead is a band who can seem to replicate it for some reason. But... Um, um, anyways, uh, but the, the, the album, Spoon album this year I thought was fantastic. There was stylistically all over the charts, uh, you know, like just from stuff that sounded like 
uh, Phil Spector, wall of sound kind of stuff to just straight rock stuff. And um, I just, it's a great album. I really enjoy it. It's probably my favorite album that came out this year. I found myself um, around midsummer or so itching for a, I, some of the music I love is the more harder kind of hardcore and, you know, kind of punk stuff. And for me, I've been, that's been lacking because it's gotten sucked in this whole kind of, you know, cheesy major label emo-esque kind of, you know, vortex. Um, and uh, somebody recommended the new Against Me record. Uh, somebody recommended the new Against Me record to me. And um, uh, called New Wave, and I, against me was a band I've known for several years. They've been around the front of the Gainesville scene, which yielded Hot Water Music and a great bunch of bands on No Idea Records and stuff like that. It's a great little scene, and I knew of them, but they never really wowed me. This record was a blast. It was anthemic. I've heard that a lot about this record. Yeah, it's anthemic. It's energetic. It's kind of the thing where you're driving, you can drive really fast, and you sing along, and it's like you know, kind of very, very much that. Is it a classic? punk hardcore record not really i don't i don't know if it's gonna last more than a year listening to it but for now i mean it's the kind of the 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 one record that kind of that was made this year that really gave me the same kind of buzz that those kind of energetic records that i love you know from the early 90s did Mm -hmm. so yeah so they were very cool uh i was browsing around on on the itunes one morning and i happened to notice that there was sort of a new cake album and i'm a big cake fan i think that the, the people who listen to cake are like it's just like the kind of person who listens to that band for whatever reason. Um, and it's basically B-sides and rarities. Uh, most of the time that sucks a lot. <laughs> no. But the thing that Cake does better than a lot of bands is when they do a cover of a song, they just they just give it that uh, spin. Uh, and Cake have always sounded exactly the same if you've ever heard. you know. Like, <laughs> um, so you either like it or you don't. But this is an album full of like cover songs and, and there's country songs and things like that. And I and the first song on it is uh, "War Pigs," the the Black Sabbath song. It's just the ba- the greatest thing I maybe have ever heard. I listen to it. I'm literally laughing, like with like glee. I'm like, this is so much fun. They covered "Phenomena," uh, the Muppet song. Phenomena. Yeah. Who does that? That's that's <laughs> just that's absurd. Uh, there's finally I got a, I got a good version of of the Barry White song. Never gonna give you up. Nice. Um, oh, it's just, uh, but it, this was just the, Stranger Than Night. I mean, it's just all over the place. And I remember I, I read an interview, or heard an interview, I think it was on Fresh Air with John McRae once, and she was asking him if they thought, they, if he was doing these songs ironically. And he <laughs> says, he goes, no, we don't do them ironically. We do songs that we think are great songs. So when they did, I Will Survive, it wasn't a joke. They thought it was, and, and when they do stuff like that, you hear, you hear sometimes that it, something is a great song, that you didn't really realize. Well, because... yeah, because so much context gets put onto it and gets dismissed, and right when, when you know thing, things that are like so, like like for example, the "Since You've Been Gone," the Kelly Clarkson Since song, been... exactly. is a great song. Or you know, like uh, it's a good song. Man, I know? mentioned the Phil Collins Renaissance. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> the Cadbury Gorilla and In the Air of Night. I I paid my ninety nine cents. I bought it. I now I'm convinced that's the greatest drum break of all time. Um, but that for me was a, a really fun album that I didn't even expect. Yeah. Um, speaking of not expecting, uh, I discovered a band called Voxtrot, which um, was kind of straight up indie rock, kind of maybe I thought was a British band. Maybe it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. You know, like it was very kind of. Um, I want. I want to say alternative because it was more kind of radio friendly. I think than anything. But it was. They just had good songs. Good thing. I, Turns out they're from Austin, Texas. I had no idea. Um, so is Spoon. Everybody who's cool is yeah. from Austin. But Austin's a great city. But. Um, uh, Voxtrot kind of got me, it kind of grabbed me in the spring 
with a couple of different songs, and then they had a new re- they had a new record come out this year, and it was just kind of like it was again kind of like oh I didn't expect that, and and you know unfortunately I've tried to see them three times and it failed, but all three times, <laughs> but I'm sure they'll be around for a while. But um, in terms of you know kind of best new band that I discovered this year is definitely Voxtrot. So uh, I think I'd be remiss without mentioning the Radiohead album uh, in Rainbows. Uh, How I, much did you pay for that? I paid ten bucks. Nice. I chose to pay them for it because. Uh, I've been a fan and for a long time. It's in stores in January and on iTunes this know. week. And, but the thing yeah. is, I've totally, yeah, I, yeah, I've, yeah. I've issued CDs this year. That happened. I stopped buying CDs. Oh, I still buy them. I'll buy them. I, well, no, I understand yeah. that. But yeah. at one point, I was like, I, these are just piling up. Right. I, I ditched them in and whatever. So, um, I don't know what to tell you about this album, but I thought I had to mention. It. I think it might be really good, and I haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> because that does happen to me with Radiohead, especially. I've listened to it a few times, and I don't not like it, but it has yet to grab me. Right. Um, but I think I think it might be really good. Okay. I'm not entirely sure. They've taken out like all of the like electric guitar, so it's very sparse. Yeah. It's very simple. Whereas the last few albums were experimentations in sound. Uh, yeah. This was much more stripped down. It's just a lot of clean guitar drum and bass and and tom and, and and i remember reading an article about how they write music together and it's not just like tom comes in and tells everybody what to do they sort of all bring in little stuff and they collaboratively put it together it really is a band yeah. and i think you can hear that in this and i really like that um i'm still listening to it i'm still thinking about it cool. so that's a good thing i think awesome um so radiohead came back with a new record and then another band from way back in our youth. From the um, ashes. Um, and typically, normally, when a band breaks up, I don't want them to get back together. No. Um, when a band breaks up, I want them to stay broken up. And when sometimes I want some bands to break up when they should, as opposed to keep going like a lot of them do. Rolling Stones. Um, <laughs> you didn't ever but, want them to be together. But, uh, yeah, no. Uh, no, actually, I have a new found appreciation for Paint It Black from Guitar Hero. Yeah, like the that's 60, right. Early 60s <laughs> stuff. But, Give me shelter but, is on Rock Band. Anyway, um, nonetheless. Um, so when I heard Dinosaur Jr. got back together and were touring, and then when I heard that they came out with the record, I, I physically winced. Because Dinosaur Jr. was one of those, like, Perfect, perfect bands from 1994. And, well, no, no, from 1989, 1988, oh, and then wow. and then 91, and then after 91, he was 92. cooler than me when we were young. The, the, the no, I think they were broken up in 94. But, but no, I saw what, them in 94. Oh, you did? Okay, well, because it tailed off, oh. and then what happened was is that Lou Barlow left and went to do Sebado, and it really never was the same. And then they just kind of faded. Like I couldn't even tell you when they broke up, you know, because like, mm-hmm. it just kind of faded and they didn't matter anymore because they they had already had their moment in the sun, but. So I, I saw that they were playing. I'm like, oh, they're playing? No. <laughs> and then someone's like, no, but Lou Barlow's back. It's, it's, it's Jay Masics and Lou Barlow and the other guy. I'm like, no shit, Lou Barlow came back? It's like, yeah. And then so they played like a show. I thought it was like a one-off kind of reunion type thing. Then somebody sends me their record. And I'm like, they, they did a record? And it was fucking good. Uh, it was called Beyond. And it was just like – it was like the Dinosaur Jr. of old. And it mm-hmm. was just like – it was just such – it was great to see – I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, as like, opposed I'm, to the as opposed to the Smashing Pumpkin of old, right? Yeah, it's just was, I didn't even hear that. Was oh like, god, it was bad. Awful. Yeah. Every time it comes on, like it yeah. sounds like a bad imitation of. Oh, it's, anyway. So sorry. So anyway, so Dinosaur <laughs> Jr. I was pleasantly surprised by Dinosaur Jr. So um, uh, I was happy to say that I could I enjoyed that. Jay Maskis, enjoyed the record, right? Yeah, it was yeah, good yeah, record. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, after after they broke up, yeah. Jay Maskis did a solo acoustic album, which is my favorite thing that he's ever Do done. You know what he also did? Hmm. He played drums in a metal band. He played. He played all yeah. of the instruments in Dinosaur Junior after Lou Barlow. Right. No, I know, but but he like he was just the drummer. In a oh, really? Yeah, it wasn't like he didn't write. Like he was. I love him. Yeah, he's awesome. He's great. No, uh, Jim yeah. Martin and me was their acoustic album. One of my favorite yeah. albums of all yeah. time. Yeah. Um, um, so that's it as far as recorded records. But um, we actually found time to, to go to some live shows this year too. So uh, what were the standouts? I think I went to two. No, uh, but what I I wanted to mention is that uh, I went to see the Shins. And it was purchasing the tickets was almost an afterthought. This was like, well, this is one of those bands that uh, I used to like a lot. 
um, but I kind of got tired of, and then I was like, well, I guess I should go see them sometime if I get a chance. And so I'm waiting in the the in the the club to see them, and, and the opening act comes on, and it's kind of boring, and you're just <laughs> sort of sitting there. And they start up the the album with uh, the it's the first cut off their last album, uh, which is called I think Phantom Limb, which starts up very ethereally, and you listen to it, and I'm like, oh, they're gonna do it like that's a really good opening song. And 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 so they're sort of all sort of slowly starting to layer all the sounds together, and it gets to the point where I think in the song maybe two or three minutes in is when the guitars and everything sort of hit and the drums and everybody on stage jumps and turns around and the lights hits and all the sounds hit and all of a sudden and it, like literally we were all like oh <laughs> oh it's gonna be that kind of band because I think from the albums you can't really tell what that band's gonna be like live yeah and I was just blown away by. A, they were better live than they are in the album. I saw, I saw them too on that same tour, and I mm-hmm. thought I, they because the, their new record that came out earlier yeah. this year kind of didn't disappoint, but it didn't it didn't yeah. have the same impact as the previous one. I started good. listening to it after I saw them live, oh, yeah. and it's a whole new light. Yeah, um, they were great live though. They were. Really I was good. Yeah. shocked, and yeah. it was because of this they were having fun playing with each other, and they were playing with the crowd, and like everybody on stage, they were like you know when the band talks to each other and you can see them smiling or like yep. yeah, they had that. I've decided my favorite person in rock now is their bass player although they switch instruments around like Death they Cab did, will yeah. do that too yeah. um, they switch instruments around but their bass player was like he was making everybody laugh in the band and having fun and they were smiling and having and like all that energy was totally being communicated and it was that intangible what makes a band great live and I, and I just I just saw it and I was like I know why this band became big now and I was—I mean, if you ever get the chance to go see them, I, it was just the the best show. I was—they are. I mean, again, I still stand by that. I think that Garden State was too generous <laughs> to their stature in the music history pantheon, but no, they're it, still a great, great. No, band. The, yeah. everything yeah. from that got overplayed to hell. In fact, yeah. the songs that are on the Garden State soundtrack are not even close to their best yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, well, I still like the the two records ago. That's that's their best. Yeah. Their opus. Yeah. Uh, I I really came to enjoy the new album since then. I just I mean it was like my wife and I looked at each other and we were like oh you know it was right there it was great I had so much fun at that show. Cool. And I hate going to shows. <laughs> and you had fun at the Spoon Show. We had a good I time. did have fun at the Spoon yeah. Show. Oh, we played it perfectly. We got there like five minutes before they went on, and then we were yeah. like it was per it was it was the old people old people's <laughs> night out at the show. It was great. <laughs> well, that, you know what's funny? Yeah. That show was too loud. <laughs> oh god. Well, no. Roseland. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. So. You guys are Connor, old. You went to a show? Uh, yeah, surprisingly. You went to a show? I can't even remember. Oh, actually, we, you went to a couple. Then, did they, did we, was the Rufus show this year? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. The Rufus with the, yeah, with yeah, the, our, with the Get Happy. Our the, Gentleman's Night Out. Yeah, it was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, Connor and I went to see Rufus Wayne, right? Then we, um, then we went to. You, the left out a, you left out three words what? Judy Garland tribute. <clears throat> oh, no, I went, I went to that. that was, oh, okay. No, no, that wasn't the same one. He, she did, he did a Judy Garland yeah. song and the encore at oh, the Rufus okay. show, but I went to Rufus's Night of Judy Garland at Carnegie Hall. And it was was that even this year? Or was that last year? No, I think that was last year. I think it was last. It was yeah. last year. Yeah, okay. the record, the CD just came out. That was awesome. <laughs> no, that, that, the Rufus show was a really good show. Rufus he was, was great. He live. just he when great. he said that was awesome, he looked me dead in the eyes, like <laughs> through to my soul. To your soul. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we're, no, Rufus we're, was really good. Yeah. He's he's a great live performer. Um, he did a, his whole showcase, song, song and dance showcase. Yeah, he's very um, the showman. But anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. Yeah. Well, why not? It's music. I know. I just <laughs> remembered it right now. Um, I also saw Jimmy World, which. Um, uh, you don't hear about that much, you know. It's kind of petered out. Yeah. Well, they released an album that was like if you had not had a separation between the tracks of their old album, yeah. the last yeah. one, yeah. you just would have yeah. gone straight um, through. But live, they were just they, you know, they are they are old men of you know. Yeah, of, they've been around since ninety three. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but live, they just they bounced around the stage and they were you know They're the crowd great. was 
you know, total. It, it was one of those shows where the whole crowd, you know, is just feeds off the energy that with the band and everybody was bouncing around and dancing and, and um, oh. singing along. It was awesome. I forgot that in the shins, the best part about it was the encore. They came back in and they did uh, a song from Dark Side of the Moon, which should be horrible, but it was like the best <laughs> thing I'd ever because anyway. Because you saw you saw the shins or the Jimmy World in the same place I saw the shins. Yeah, I Terminal believe. Five. Terminal Five. Yeah. Um, which is an interesting venue, but um, I mean, I don't, I don't like. I'm not really a big show person, so that yeah. was unusual for me. But I liked Jimmy World, so I went. Well, conversely, the highlight of my year was I saw Morrissey seven times this year. <laughs> um, well, no, because the thing is that he a new record came out last year, and he didn't tour. No, it came out in 2005, and he didn't yeah. tour the U.S. until this year. And um, I saw Gordon and Gordon the intern, and I saw him in May in Indiana. And then I was supposed to see him in June at Madison Square Garden, but he canceled it because uh, he was sick, quote unquote. Um, and he gets then, sick a lot. And then I saw him in uh, San Francisco at the Fillmore, which was an awesome show. And then Five Nights uh, in New York at the Hammerstein, and and it, it was fucking fantastic. He they rocked New York when they played those Five Nights. It shows the old man still got it. And um, it just it was just it, I, and then what was great about that was that I brought I get a lot of shit. From particularly you two guys, but um, what was great about that was that I brought. Up, I don't think the shits are limited to the two of us. Over the no, sure, but over those five nights, I brought several people who had either never seen him or hadn't seen him in a long time, mm-hmm. or those kind of things. And every person at the end of the show went, "Holy fuck! Like you're right, that was really good." You know, like he like he puts on a really really good show. So mm-hmm. um um so it was a lot of fun. He did a New York Dolls cover when David Johansson was there. So which was because he's a big New York Dolls fan. So that was, yeah. So anyway, so. The year in music, it was fun. Another good year. So finally, um, uh, comic books. Oh, about those. Comics? Do we really have anything left to say? We about talk that? about <laughs> comics every week. But we thought we'd just hit the highlights. What we thought were the best books of the year. Um, one book we hardly ever get to talk about because we all read it in trade form. Or Ron has just recently converted is Invincible. Robert Kirkman. Yes, I'm on issues. Um, you're on issues, but you don't ever talk about it. Uh, because nothing really big has happened. It's just been consistent. It's one of those agains where it's consistently right. good and all that. Well, I think what you Although thought- I do have to admit that I'm the second to- the second month after I moved to issues, I didn't get it because I wasn't in great, yeah. you know. And I was like, oh shit, and I went back. And well, I think what you lose with those books, I wonder if read better in trade because you get the full impact in a chunk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, everyone talks about Walking Dead. We're even going to talk about it uh, in this segment. But for me, it's still all about Invincible. I think that's. That's the most fun I have reading. It's the, how how are they in? 40-something? The, the, the subhead on the cover of the issues is possibly the best superhero book is out that, there. And yeah. <laughs> and, and consistently is, you know. so. I mean, through every one of those issues all the way through, you know, he's, he's, he's building the universe. Yep. He's keeping us in suspense. He's keeping the stakes up there. You know, I remember when I got the last trade, I, I was reading through it, and I was about halfway through, and I thought, well, maybe we're finally losing steam here. And then at some point, I I ended up doing my manic page flipping. Yep. Where I was like, wait, 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 no, 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 oh, oh it's over, wait, no. And, and the great thing is that what they did, what he did, what they've done this year is that they had an issue. I forget what issue, maybe forty-two or forty-three was like a jumping-on point. Yes. And that's leading up fiftieth issue that's coming up. I think is going to be big, and it's going to be you know altering status quo, changing, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So it should be really fun. So. But yeah. I think if I had to choose all the Kirkman books, yep. I mean, I think my my first love is Invincible from him. I have the most fun reading it. I think it would be hard to, to not read Walking Dead, but I would probably choose Invincible over. Invincible's got to be the book that gives me hope for superheroes still having life, like yeah. for like that that formula mm-hmm. still being able to work. Yeah, beyond and, the, the Marvel DC yeah, world, right? Yeah. And there's been and there's, I think there's been momentum that have been led by Invincible. Yeah, from other books, definitely. So, yeah. And yeah. and just that that book, 
Yeah, I mean, it's still, after all this time, great. Yeah. Who'd have thought? That's, that's my favorite, like, trade book. Who'd have thunk? Um, if we're going to talk about uh, books that for years consistently have been building up, I, you've heard me say this on the podcast, but Fables this year, especially, it was never, I don't want to say it was ever at a low point, but this year just, it, it's been the- Culminated? This, this last storyline, the, the Good Prince, has been, uh, it's just been amazing, and, and it feels so weighty and, and so- like it had been planned all along. Like this was the thing that we've been meant to see, and only now are you starting to see it. Um, and so, if it's a it's a denouement of this first ec- uh, arc of the story, uh, it's just been great. So, well, I, it's, that's the payoff or a series that goes like that. So yeah. Oh, I if mean, you get to, if if the writer gets to get to the point where they are waiting to pay the story off, and they actually do get there, and it works, that I takes mean, an enormous amount of that takes an enormous amount of skill in pacing. And also in patience. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, we're talking years, five years or so they've been doing this. Um, and, you know, if you're reading these trades, you know, I can't imagine how much fun it must be. Because right. I did switch to issues in this one. Each issue has been fun. But the, the, the when the books come out, each book has to be such a fantastic experience. Right. It's got to yeah. be a ton of fun. Cool. So for, for me, when I was looking back at the year in comics and I was trying to look at, like, the one title that kind of – ruled them all for me or whatever i kind of i had to realize that this was this was like a year the year of green arrow yeah. and what judd winnick did on green arrow and i remember we spoke to him at, at WonderCon last february it, you know that's when news kind of broke that they were going to marry him in black canary and all they're ending stuff. the book they're yeah. ending the book and all this kind of things and it was like this i remember back at the beginning of the year being skeptical of what are they doing with it and it was a roller coaster that was quietly I think one of the best things to happen this year is not just Green Arrow, but Green Arrow leading into the Black yeah, Canary special, leading into the, the wedding special, leading into the Green Arrow Black Canary book. Exactly, That's all, all together. Com- yeah, all those. It's basically one long book. Yeah, exactly. Just books that, by the way, sound like throwaways. Yeah, and they and in any other time in history, those books wouldn't be worth the paper they were printed on. Right, and and um, the from the the story itself of weaving this intricate you know finishing up the mayor kind of thing the one year later kind of thing with Ollie and then leading back into the black canary and all that kind of stuff and then even with the art i mean the art on, on green hour finished up strong in the yeah. art in the art category phil hester uh, phil hester the um the various wedding specials Amanda the, the Amanda right. Connor wedding special was just was one of Beautiful. the best books of the year if you ask me and then Leading into Cliff Chang on Green Arrow, Black Canary, it's become it's kind of like the book that is my must read that I wasn't even aware of until I thought about it. Yeah. Like, you know, like I always at the top of my stack. That's great about always, the end of the year you know, list is you have to really think about what yeah. you really like and why, and that's yep. and that's definitely one, one of the best things to happen for me at least in the comics. And I'm surprised because it's I big, totally so, will yeah. agree with you. Um, Fear Agent. Now Fear Agent <sighs> didn't start in 07, but it's continued through 07. Yes, yeah, it's, it's but maybe the, gained momentum. The in difference 07. is that. We all are now on board in 07. Completely. Like, um, stupidly on board. Yeah, so, like, Fear Agent from now Dark Horse. Yep. Yep, it was previously from Image. Um, Rick Remender and Tony Harris. Tony Moore. Tony Moore. Tony Harris is the news anchor. Yes. Who also draws other comics. <laughs> <laughs> Too many Tonys. And something Alpena. So Jerome Alpena. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But Fear Agent is just kick-ass sci-fi war, every kind of, you know, fun comic book you can it's think of. It's big, dumb action movies, but it's not dumb. Yeah. Right. And it's I, one of the best things in comics right now. Yeah. So. so that's the book we all decided we loved in 07. I love it. Uh, I think if you look back to the beginning of the year, uh, Captain America, you know, something big happened yeah. back in yeah, February was, or so. Was really late. Huh? Something happened to Captain America? Yeah, uh, apparently he was late or something <laughs> had happened. Something happened. Uh, but when you he want to talk – tripped on the stairs. I saw the shot of him on stairs. When you want to talk about uh, – something happening that matters and yeah. that lingers and that lasts. 
Well, and had now. every so far. Every hasn't even been a year yet. Yeah, <laughs> even a year. Well, no, but but like they're <laughs> still even telling the, the story, and I'm not bored of it. Sure, either. sure, sure. And what I'm saying is that you've got a book called Captain America, and Captain America's been gone for over half a year. He's gonna be back soon. Yeah, well, shiny suit, shiny suit. <laughs> Well, you know what? Ed, Ed Brubaker has yet to steer me wrong for a right. single issue of Gotta his, his no, Captain no, no, America I'm, series. I just poke fun at you, but I agree. And, uh, I mean, how can you not give him credit for that? I think that... This is one of those things that was huge and it lived with its building. I'm thinking about Ed Brubaker and all of the good stuff that he's done this, this year, even in the past few years. And I think that Captain America... And who would have thought that? Right. When Ed Brubaker takes over Captain America, you go, what is this? is the... Street gritty. I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I you thought though it would be yeah. good. Yeah, well, I mean, but it just doesn't seem like it would because right. Captain America is so straight arrow. Yeah, but he he hasn't been for years. He's been the street level guy. He lives in Brooklyn. He's, yeah. In, in his book, at least, he's always been. How important is Brooklyn to comics, by the way? Very just important. everywhere. Yeah. He he's in in his solo book. He's always been lately been more about the um, street level. Yeah, being like a realistic book than he is in the Avengers yeah, I know, so. but the character himself is is still he's the the character is sort of clean to me. Sure, I mean if you only know him from the Avengers books, you could definitely see how it wouldn't make sense. But anyway, I mean to me this. But is, no, but it's been fantastic. This is the best thing Ed Brubaker's done, maybe total. Yeah. He's also doing other stuff. He is. He's um. Uh, one of the one of the things, kind of the the reclamation project of Ed Brubaker is almost was that he uh, started writing on Canny X Men and got a lot of uh, kind of critiques about what he took about the space and it was kind of meandering and all this kind of stuff. But then, um, you know, ended the year strong on the title, partially due to the fact that the Messiah Complex, which our regular listeners know, I've been loving and has been great. But I think Uncanny combined with as we kind of ease into the end of Joss Whedon's run on Astonishing, Astonishing has just continued to be top notch and. And even though it's been bi-monthly, it feels like we got more of it this year than yeah. we have in previous years. And it was impactful and meant something. And it just kind of, again, was kind of you know like a great return to needing to read the X-Men. on a, And, on, and on at a, no point on those books, there always seems like a point where the art falls behind. Yep. And at no point has the art ever felt like anything less than the most spectacular art you've seen in a comic book. Yep. yep. Yeah. So, so it's been a good year for the X-Men, if you ask me. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time on it because we've talked about it a lot and we did a whole video show on it. But 52 ended this year, so we had a, we had the first couple months of the year with 52. Hmm. Talk about um, an audacious experiment that paid off big time. 52 totally. was one of the best things that happened to comics who, in years. Who would have thought again? Yeah. yeah. So... This was just an important to note that this was the end of 52. Yeah, this year. yeah and, then, and, was... and then the wheels came off with the creative teams, so with the creative folks involved, because now Wade left. And oh, well, right, and well. Yeah, but, but they did it. They did it. They succeeded. 52 was, yeah. he, I wouldn't have yeah. thought when it started that it would have ended the way it did, um, yeah. mm -hmm. being one of the best things in comics in years, but it was. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, I just, we, if you've been listening to the audio show lately, the past few months, you've heard us talk about Powers. Um, Powers is back. Yeah, powers is powers is, rules. Powers is fantastic, and and I mean like there's a there's another there's a book that I think I've really gone back on the bandwagon for in getting people to try to read it again. Like yeah. for a while, I was like, well, if you're reading it, you know about it, and if not, it's too late and for it was, you. And it was getting to a point where it was progressing to the point where you almost couldn't pick it up because so much had happened. It was, and, so, yep. you know, it was becoming yep. bigger than it was, but then with the 25th issue when they expanded the size and everything. Mm -hmm. It became accessible again. I think it just so. became. It just reiterated that it is a book that that matters, even if it doesn't necessarily matter in the marketplace. No. It matters as a trendsetter and one of the best books consistently being produced for years now. And it's just. That's crazy. It still feels like a new book to me. Yep. It's bizarre. Yeah. yeah. So it does. Oh, seven years going now. Six years. Yeah. Um, 
I'm shocked as the Marvel zombie I am. I'm shocked that a I'm loving DC some some stuff from DC as much as I'm loving it, but especially this year the Justice Society of America just was completely like such a nice thing to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been curious about the JSA for a while. Um, I've got a couple of random trades stuff like that. But what Jeff Johns and Dale Eaglesham have done, and I don't want to. Johns gets a lot of the credit, but I don't want to. Um, I don't want to subordinate what Dale Eaglesham has done. I yep. think his art is fantastic on this book, and it's a different feel than the Justice League of America. It's more family based, and it's definitely. Um, it's for me. It's a must read. I mean, like when it comes out, I get excited. I get giddy. Oh, know? absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, we, we've said before, it's one of the best books DC puts out. And I love Hour Man and Liberty Bell. They rule. I don't know why. <laughs> it's still. I mean, yeah. it, it's a book that makes no sense. Yeah. yeah I mean, exactly. it makes no sense in the sake. This shouldn't be as good as it is. Yeah. Exactly. There's, there's, no... there's forty people in it, and all that, you know, like. But it, it's great. It's 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 iconic. It's, and it requires you know, like it feels like it should require a knowledge of the DC universe, which it no. doesn't actually. Yeah. Yeah. And everything comes across in this elegantly simple way. Yeah. And that's a, <laughs> excuse me, a Jeff. John John's book, and continuing on that, is Booster Gold, which it's only like five or six issues in, right? It's like yep. less than six months old. So it's hard to say it's one of the best books of 07, but really it is because it's one of the best books DC puts out. Yep. Very quietly. Not a lot of people talk about it, but um, Jeff Johns owns you know, JSA, Booster Gold. He owns Green Lantern. Green Lantern. He owns the DCU right now, and Booster Gold is one of those love letters to the DC universe where... Taking it, he's he's reclaiming a character that's sort of a joke, um, making him important, making him uh, you care about what he's doing, and making him less buffoonish because he's basically been a buffoon for the last ten years, yep. fifteen years, twenty years even. Yeah. He's um, the hero you don't know. Yep, and and in doing so, he gets to play in all these different multiple timelines, and the only good thing that comes from the multiverse is having uh, giving the creators more freedom to tell stories in different worlds and things yeah. that they couldn't before. But Booster Gold is definitely, if you like superheroes and you like DC Universe and traditional sort of um, Jeff John stuff, that's that's one of the books of the year. Yeah. Uh, 2007 is going to be remembered for me as as the year uh, that we we saw Scalped and we really got to meet Jason Aaron. Um, Scalped is a book that I think is going to be one of these things that people are going to refer back to for a long time. Uh, I don't know how well it's doing. I know at this point he's saying if you buy the trade, you don't like it, he'll give you your money back. I recommend. I've. I mean, we brought this up on the shows. We did a video show segment on it. This book is is the the coolest new thing coming out of Vertigo right now. And it's a book that every time I see a new book, I look and I'd say nine times out of ten, there's some supernatural thing about it, yeah. and that's why I don't buy it <laughs> because I don't want that anymore. I want a real story about something that has weight and gravity and matters. And and Scalp for me has just been so. I was just so glad to discover it, and and I'm glad I gave it a second chance, yep. uh, like I did. Um, oh, it's just been it's been great, and I and I think that you're gonna look back in in five years. I think Jason Aaron's gonna. I'm, I'm hoping he's gonna be a name that that is gonna matter, and this you're gonna see this is where it started. Cool. Um, personally, for me, in 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 the graphic novel kind of indie world, um, earlier this year I got exposed to the work of Jeff Lemire, and I don't know if Ghost uh, Ghost Stories Volume One came out this year or last year, but Ghost Stories Volume Two recently came out, and I gotta tell you, like. If you don't have you haven't heard of Jeff Lemire and you haven't heard of Ghost Stories yet, maybe in a year or so it's going to be a collected hardcover or something that we're going to be telling you you got to buy because there are these personal stories of growing up in this Essex County, Canada, and these like I handed volume two to a couple people so far and each one have handed it back to me like going wow that that tore me up like it was they're they're emotional. Did and you bring that back with you? No, I didn't. I forgot. Oh. It. Sorry. <laughs> but they're sensitive and they're emotional. 
and there it's just it's really fantastic storytelling the art style isn't even like it's not realistic it's kind of sketchy it's kind of you know but like it's the and the first one was good the mm-hmm. second one was so much better really that, so and, you, not, and not, not to diminish the first one like right. this is going to be a great collection when volume three comes out and all three are done and you're seeing him get better oh yeah oh, where do yeah. the ghosts come into it i think it's just because memories uh, this the ghost so there's no two, actual paranormal beings no there's no paranormal shocking beings. i mean this one just the ghost stories volume two centers around a, a pair of brothers who grew up in the sussex county and then went to play hockey and there's a love triangle between the girl one of the, the brothers with wives and 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 it's just kind of this wonderful tale of family and loneliness and just kind of like and it just kills you it just there's you no see, one named egon see, no one named egon you see it coming a mile away and you don't care and it's mm-hmm. it because it's done so well and so elegantly so it goes who puts it out uh top shelf so yeah. I want to say top cow, but that was completely wrong. That would not be good. <laughs> um, we talked about Captain America and Boo Baker is probably his best work. I say that putting criminal aside. Because for some reason, I don't include criminal. I think of Boo Baker's work in Captain America and Uncanny X-Men and Daredevil and um, Iron Fist. And I don't think of criminal being in that same grouping. So when I, say, when, when, we say, when I say Captain America is the best thing he's writing, I mean in that Marvel superhero group. Uh, criminal, I think, outclasses all of it. We'll look separately. at the pick of the weeks and the and the yeah. times we've talked yeah. about it on the show. <laughs> I think every time. So, uh, criminal is is the best. Marvel's putting it out, so conceivably, technically, it's the best thing they're. I think they're putting out, but um, you sort of put it aside, like you put Vertigo aside from the DC stuff. Uh, criminal is Ed Brubaker at his finest, with Sean Phillips at his finest. Well, I think whereas I was talking about, you see Jason Aaron, you seeing this is him breaking out. Mm-hmm. This is the other side of that. This is Ed Brubaker at the top of his game. Yep. At the like, this is the man. This is the artist with all of his skills, just you know, effortlessly being wielded. I think mm. when you you know, just like powers, you know, yeah. same same thing. And and that's the, the, the because love it's is on the page because, because it's his yeah. book. Yeah, it's it's just doing exactly what he loves. He's writing it for himself, and that that comes through every time they do it. Yep. yep. You know, if they've got the chops. Yep. If I had to pick one book of the year, I think that might be that might be it'd be hard to pick something else. Besides and I don't want to discount uh, Sean Phillips either. No, no, no. Every yeah, bit yeah, is important yeah. to that book, and the dude, he's. Look, been Sean Phillips has always been great, but if you look at his sleeper work and you look at his criminal mm-hmm. work, he's gotten oh, so much better. Awesome between good. he's gotten so much better. He was really good when he did sleeper. Yeah. And what's great is that he's then he does Marvel Zombies, and it's a and different it's, style. It's a yeah. different style. It changes in the right direction, and yeah. What's so. not great is when he does Marvel Zombies and it affects his criminal work. Yes, it does. I'm sorry. Which, about that. Like, like, brother, got to pay the bills because somebody's not buying another criminal. criminal. This is what I'm saying. Um, I wanted to uh, bring up, we talked about Invincible, so we'll make a little sandwich with Kirkman. Um, uh, I just wanted to, The Walking Dead's another book that every time a trade comes out, see as that sound Ron just made, it's just like, oh, it's, it's, it's the most like the shield to me. Yeah. In that you wonder how much they can ramp up the situation. How much worse can it get for the main How characters? much worse can it get for these people? Yeah. And he has not hit the ceiling yet. And just when I thought, like, okay, the only thing that can happen now is that they could be massacred and killed by zombies. It's just like, no, I'm going to Do chop this. off a limb. It, it's just, I just read the third hardcover, and it's just after being in the dark and yelling at you guys, don't tell me, don't tell me. <laughs> and it's just oh, so brutal and so good. <laughs> and Charlie Adler's art is just getting better and better. Absolutely. And, like, and it's, it's just like, and it's like you feel like you're there. It's amazing. What's it's weird like, is to go back to the first trade or the beginning yeah. of the mm-hmm. first hardcover and see the, the original art. Yeah. Tony Moore. Yeah. Yeah. And it's weird. such a different. Yeah, it's a different feel. Yeah. I mean, it was good, and I, I remember yeah. not liking it when it switched to Charlie Adler, taking a while to get used to it, but yeah. it's such a different feeling. It's, the book is such it's a. It's dirtier now. Yeah, book. and the book has such a. 
a negative view on humanity. Yes. Sort of. Yes. <laughs> I mean, but the thing is, under all this, like, what happens to people when they get totally stressed out? Like, most people crumble and they act like assholes. And so when they come across this other town of people, yeah. and you're thinking, well, maybe this is, there's hope for... No. No. <laughs> no. In oh. fact, it's worse. Oh. <laughs> that was my, not my reaction at all. My first reaction to seeing the other town was thinking, oh, they're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is going to go uh, badly. And, so. you know, the thing go is, home. they... I, I was reading it going, no, turn around, turn around, <laughs> go home. You know, when they found that prison yeah. on, 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 on the surface, idea. you're looking at the prison going, you know what? That makes a ton of sense. Yeah. And then, then Kirkman's job is to figure out, well, how do I make this not work for them? How do I drive them out of it? I can't let them be happy. I can't right. let them stay in there. Right. And I don't know what it is. His Marvel work does not have that same... Resonance. Like even almost. ingenuity, yeah. it doesn't even feel like. I feel like when he's playing with Marvel stuff, it's almost like he's got little action figures. He's like, yes, I like the Marvel toys. Yeah. And then he gets down to the serious work in these other books. Yeah. Uh, just The Walking Dead, just like Invincible, has just continued... To escalate and be fantastic. Yeah. Though my my happiest times when I see the shipping list out, the new Walking Dead, uh, the new Invincibles out. Those are like when I get really excited yeah. to get yeah. to the store to buy those trades. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't feel the need to buy trades when they first come out, except for when those come out. Yeah. And um, similar to Invincible, kind of talking about the kind of the having faith in superheroes and stuff like that, being a big fan of the team superhero books like X Men stuff like that. Dynamo Five came out of nowhere, and and I think I earlier this year said it was a strong candidate for the best book of the year, and I think it's safe to say that it is one of the best. It is one of my. Well, you got it on your your yeah, top it's five on my list, top five so. list. That's one of the best books of 2005. Um, great team book that, in the same way, Invincible has that energy and has that modern take on superheroes that can show that it can still work in this day and age in the 21st century, not be rote and not be kind of cliche and that sort of thing, uh, or it can be play off of cliches but still be quality and still be good. Um, and just, like I said, out of nowhere. And it was the kind of thing where, you know, I kind of heard about it, heard rumblings, kind of dismissed it, caught up very quickly. And, and doing things like, you know, putting out the trade of the first seven issues for nine ninety nine, and then dropping the cover price to two ninety nine. you know, similar to Jason Aaron offering the money back guarantee. Like, mm-hmm. these are books you need to be reading if you like superhero comics and if you like comics and all that kind of stuff, support them because they're not coming from Marvel and DC. Not that Marvel and DC are bad, but it shows that there's life beyond that. So, um very cool. So, you know, congratulations. Well, beyond a lot of good comics, um, 2007 was a lot of events. The events it continued. It was event-driven te- television yes, in comic was. form. This is kind of an event right here. I'm going to list some events, and I want you guys just to tell me if this, if it worked or didn't work. Okay. Good or bad. All right. Just All right. in one word. Yep. Uh, the end of 52 leading the countdown. Josh. Well, I stopped reading Countdown, and I didn't think it was bad. It wasn't for me, but I love the end of 52, so... Um, worked, I broke the rules. Worked, then didn't work, and maybe will work again. Okay, I would agree with that. Okay. Uh, Messiah Complex. Fucking yeah, <laughs> kick ass, motherfucker. Josh abstains. Yes, I do. <laughs> uh, World War Hulk. <laughs> I was vindicated. First yeah, issue, yeah. I went. This. I wanted it. This to is be, not going to work. As Somebody you said best lettering, best lettering <laughs> adventure you can ever have. I saw somebody mention that that it it. If it was in Elseworlds and there were stakes, it would yeah. have been great. Yeah, if, yeah, if, yeah he been totally. to, totally. if he had been allowed to kill yeah. people. But yeah. that's the only way there would have been But any... it was not the event of the year or by no. any means. So. The scroll, I mean, it's, it's just starting now, but the scroll invasion. Brilliant. Invasion. Hell yes. 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 Yeah, brilliant. I mean, way, way to, it's sowing seeds in a way that even Civil War didn't manage to do. Yep. Yep. Uh, one more day. Fucking drop the ball, my friends. Um, didn't read it. 
but but again, <laughs> didn't need to. It's not over yet. They're going to get yeah. the last issue before the end of the year, and we'll yeah. see what happens. But it, it, it will it be up. redeemed? Well, I mean, you're just well, if anything, if anything, it just it's. I mean, I feel bad because I want. I, mean, I love Marvel and I want them to this succeed and stuff like that. But when you come out in August saying this, we're, this is what we're going to do, and then you miss the mark as badly as they missed it, you can't. Yeah. You can't even yep. if the story's so great. The long, slow killing of Peter Parker in the Marvel <laughs> Universe. Yeah, exactly. Not only that, but also long, slow killing of retailers around the country. That's the big business issue yeah. is that for four months you had one Spider-Man title coming out sporadically. After Spider-Man 3 became the biggest movie ever. Exactly. exactly. God, that yeah. movie sucks. You're not, you're not wrong. Uh, finally, Sinestro War. Best event of the year. You still, best, you still say it's the best event of the year. I still say it was the best event of the year. The single for, the, for Bang for Your Buck. And More than Messiah Complex. Low hype. Well, Messiah Complex is still going, so I don't know how it ends. But right. because we got we got a beginning and we got an end all in one year, the, the energy – remember when the Sinestro special came out? And yeah. I think I – I'm like, did you get that? I was like, oh, it came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was a character that we love. I think we all collectively love Green Lantern. And it just – and it was fantastic. So I, I definitely think Sinestro War was the thing of the year, the event of the year. So Yeah, yeah. For, for what it set out to do, it succeeded on, on every level. Yeah. And it, it brought relevant. You know, we'd been complaining about this. Brought relevance to Green Lantern. Yeah. Yep. And we, you know, this. You know, in the beginning of the year, we did video shows. We talked about how Green Lantern, try as he might, is not relevant. It was and, not. I mean, it was wavering in the beginning of the year. Remember with mm-hmm. the girl, with the cowgirl. Yep. So I was like, I don't care about you know, like. Yeah. And it introduced us to uh, Ethan Van Skyver's opinions, which yep. is <laughs> always fun. <laughs> um, last year, we 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 picked two people in comics we thought were the best people working in comics in 06. We picked Ed Brubaker and Brian K. Vaughn. This year, one continued, one. Well, Brian had moved on to television. Yeah. He still does Ex Machina. <laughs> no, he, he does, does Why the Last Man. His Buffy issues were great. His Buffy issues he didn't have great. strong of a year. Ex Machina has been fantastic. Yeah, it has. Right, but quietly, I mean, the output's quietly. not there, so he's more. Yeah, he left he, Runaways. Yeah. So. Um, and Brew Baker is still Brew Baker, but this year we got two new people. Um, so why, don't you, why don't you, Josh? Uh, I think that us. if you are to look over at DC in the wake of 52, mm-hmm. uh, there's really only one guy who's holding that place up, and it's Jeff Johns. We talked about this earlier. Just, you know, he's juggling all these different plates, and for me, everything that's compelling that's coming out of out of DC, DC. that matters with any kind of consistently like consistency. There've been okay issues of of JLA, yeah. and there's been stuff that's been, but Jeff Johns is 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 tapping into what is best about the characters that he's working on and making them matter historically. You yeah. know, by bringing back the Kingdom Come Superman in in JSA. And I mean, again, I just like JSA is not a book. He I keeps doing like. things that on paper you think shouldn't work. He's doing it. What he's doing is he's doing it respectful, respectfully, and not alienatingly. Mm-hmm. So, like the thing is, is that he's doing it so that the Tom Caters of the world, who love the JSA and love all the kind of things like that, are giddy over it. And somebody like you, who doesn't know anything about it, can come right in and enjoy it as well. Yeah, that's it, a hard game yes, to play. Absolutely, and he's doing it. Yeah, because so. because the fact is, I think one of the things about the X Men is for years you've seen the X people try to like keep the X Men fans happy, yeah. and all that does is result in in it shuts everyone else out. Yeah, yeah. and it, it makes it not only that, but the stories get uninventive because there's too many chains around the writers of what they can and can't do. And I don't know what it is, but like Jeff Johns runs the gauntlet. Like he avoids the barbs and he does things that. How much longer can he keep dodging? I don't know. And it's and it's really interesting because it's been a year. We've said it. We've said it before and stuff like that. DC, like things aren't okay at over at DC. I mean, I mean, they've got a lot of problems. Yeah, they do. And for some reason, the corner of Jeff Johns. 
Minus maybe Superman, but I'll give him. A no, no, no. His the, the last two. Issues yeah, the Gary matter. Frank issues. That we got he now. was yeah. that. Yeah, he and then Eric Powell arc I really loved and stuff like the Donner thing just got in the way. I right. feel like his reclamation Superman is starting now. Yes, I think next like year's Donner. Be big I think Donner for, was yeah. more about Donner than. There it was were other about influences yeah. happening yeah, exactly. throughout all that other stuff, but everything that he's worked on this year, what he's done is he took things that didn't matter and made them matter. Well, supposedly yeah. 08, which is the anniversary, 70th anniversary of Superman, is the big. Yeah. Jeff Johns' reclamation of Superman back into... Mm-hmm. And know, it's starting with the Legion, and it's... Yeah, yeah. I see it, yeah so, so we'll see. Yeah. If he can pull that off, and he will be... He's, a, he's, he'll be a pantheon. But guys, I mean, I assume that DC backs a money truck up to his house at this point, because they, they, they need to. him. If, yeah. he were to, if he were to go sign exclusive with Marvel right now, They're fucked. Yeah. I don't know what there is at DC other than uh, like the Judd Winnick book. Yeah. Right, yeah. You know. Which doesn't sell, we only like because it's really good. Yeah. Right. So I think um, between JSA and Booster Gold and um, Action Comics, yep. uh, Green Lantern, Green Lantern, Lantern Jeff, uh, Johns. Jeff Johns rules the roost at DC. Well, not even quality. just not, not, I mean, I don't want to get into that, you know, but Jeff Johns is probably one of the best people working comics right now. Right. Yeah. 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 So, uh, but on the other side, someone else well, in Marvel. We were, ta- we're trying to figure out who, yeah, we we're trying to figure out who the best people, the uh, you know, working comics and, you know, and thinking about it. Um, I kept on, I kept on coming back to Marvel. I kept on looking. Okay, well, what's happening at Marvel? What's really interesting going on there? And I kept on coming back to Bendis. And we kind of, you know, and it, it works against us because you almost internally, I almost try to dismiss it because we know Bendis is good. We know it's great. But when I look at what he did in this past year, in that coming out of Civil War, which was a rocky road, mm-hmm. all right, the two best things coming out of Civil War were Brubaker's Captain America, which we knew about, which already had momentum, was going to do that anyway. Um, but then also the the beginning of the Skrull invasion and what he did with New Avengers and all that kind of stuff. Right now, if you're into Marvel, you're reading Avengers. Even Mighty Avengers aside, that Cho's fault being late and stuff like that. What's going on with the Skrull invasion? How rabid was everyone for Illuminati? Every issue yeah. of Illuminati mm-hmm. when it came out. You you. I mean, I remember running to the store and getting my hands on it, and, and you could in the store to see what happens. And you, you know? could not like them, but you yeah. cared about what happened in them. Exactly, exactly. And, and then the, you know, and things from like the big battle sequence where they the Skrull home world, world when uh, Black Bolt takes out the ship mm-hmm. to the talking or about. Did he? Or did he? No, that was before that. Was in the uh, capture room, um, to the, the um, cast, by the way. to the to the sitting around the table talking about women problems. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. who's seen Professor Xavier and Iron Man talk about women problems? Like it was hysterical. It was great. So that combined with then over in the Ultimate Universe, the little tra- the little train that keeps going is Ultimate Spider Man is one of the best books out there. Loses Bagley after 111 issues and switches to a new artist. Do you think that there would be a stumble? Doesn't miss a beat. Doesn't miss a beat at all. Keeps going and has m- moved the book in a direction to cater to Eminem's style. Then on top of that, takes Powers, which was you know kind of on, in the going towards the Deadpool. And not only gets it back on a monthly schedule, increases the page count and makes it kick-ass again. You and, know, l- and lets people get on it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So And keeps the long-term readers happy. It's not yep. like they get rebooted. Hey, this is Detective Pilgrim. It's right. The story continued, but also is new reader accessible. Right. So if when I look at when I look at Marvel, you know, I know Casada's the editor-in-chief, and I know Buckley's there, and I know other people around that. But when I look at Marvel, Marvel is Bendis. Without Bendis, Marvel's got problems. Mm-hmm. You know, things are falling apart left and right, but Bendis is the backbone that's keeping everything going. And I gotta, I gotta say, he's just as equally as important as Jeff Jones. Well, how many times do we say, 
Oh, wow, I wish Bendis had written Civil War. Yep. When the, 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 um, yeah. the one-shot came out, the confession, mm-hmm. yep. and there was more relevance and, and emotion in that one-shot about the whole Civil War than there was in the entire miniseries. And, and what's going to be really interesting is that we've seen him write individual characters really well, we've seen him write crime really well, we question his ability to write teams, which I think he's overcome this year, and then with House of M, we kind of question his ability to do the big kind of universe-spanning event. I think now, with the Scroll Invasion, we're going to see whether he can shake that kind of thing and nail it, too. You know what it is about him? And I think this is Jeff Johns actually has the same sort of thing. We we were talking before about love on the page and you love what you do. Yep. Um, whereas a lot of people save that and they no, they don't save it or they in, subconsciously put it in their creator own books. Bendis seems to have that. He loves writing superheroes. And Johns he, he loves too. writing Marvel comics. Yeah. And Johns too. Johns yeah, no, loves writing DC comics. That's yeah. the thing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah I think that's and that what, comes yeah. through like like what are you gonna do? We're gonna do a huge scroll event. Like right. that that event. Yeah. I mean. Scrolls were a joke. Nope. Scrolls have been a joke up until this yeah. year. Well, that and look at look at all the events whenever it starts. People yeah. go, oh, that's gonna yeah. be you know like I have no trepidation going into these. Then I'm like, oh, ooh, that that could be really interesting. As yeah. opposed to you know everything else, you're just thinking it's an excuse to make money out of it. Yeah. This is a neat story. Yeah. So so, so Jeff Johns, Brian Michael Bendis. Yep. Wow, really, really, really <laughs> reaching into the... Uh... And th- yeah, I know, it's not that... But they're not wrong, though. They're, they're yeah. obvious, but they're also correct. And the thing is, there's so many other great people doing great stuff. I mean, like, Terry Moore ended Strangers in Paradise this year. Kirkman keeps going. Um, you know, I'm sure there are other people... Remender's all over Remender the is, is, is Remender is... favorite he's guy. He's starting to write for DC. I mean, mm-hmm. Remender's going to be a name you're going to hear a lot into next year. Yeah. And what's also great is coming into the end of the year is that if you notice that... There's a lot of little things bubbling under the surface. Like Image is doing some interesting stuff between Proof yep. and um, and, the, and the stuff the Luna Brothers are doing when they finished Girls and they started The Sword. And um, there was another book from Image that I w- that's coming out this week that I that I, I wanted to pick up. Well, The Circle has been a really yeah, The good Circle. Book. I mean, like so there are little kind of things bubbling. A Dark Horse has been stepping up with the Umbrella Academy and Fear yep. Agent and stuff like that. I mean, it's a it's continuing this being a good Weird. time for comics. Yeah. So. One thing I like about comics, and I think that us talking like about comics. Johns and Bendis. No, is it in a way that doesn't almost happen anywhere else is that the cream actually rises to the top. Yep. The best guys working in mainstream comics are working there because they're the best guys. Yeah. Yep. Now they're more than ever. upwards. No, yeah, and, yeah. and it's not like, you know, like the biggest like movie at the box ski. office is usually a piece of shit. Yeah. But in comics... Transformers. Are you yeah. saying the National Treasure uh, Book of Secrets is not <laughs> fantastically written? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's great to see quality stuff coming out, and I know... This was, is actually an exciting time for comics. Though. It there's is. There's a lot... There's fun stuff happening in the, in the DC Marvel world, and there's, there's awesome stuff happening in the, in the non-mainstream superhero world, and it's really... You can find anything you want. Yeah. Um, let us kill this beast. Yes. <laughs> so it's been a great year, and all, like we said, it's been a great year for iFanboy as well. We like we had our video show, the pot audio show keeps going, and um, iFanboy.com, the community there. Has, <laughs> in, the, in this case, uh, for yeah. hours. <laughs> but the community over at iFanboy.com has been great, and so you know it, we feel as if it's been a great year, and hopefully you guys agree with us. So thank you for listening and watching and participating and writing and emailing and voicemailing and it's been you, a, you went like radio DJ there for a second. I, know. <laughs> I, I wanted to mention really quickly, uh, community-wise, uh, we mentioned the video game segment. We are not gamers, but there are two hardcore gamers on our forums who are writing a year-end um, wrap-up video games, uh, yep. Will and Juan, Six Gun and Labor. Yep. Uh, so if you are really into video games and you felt like our section was lacking, which I can understand you might, go check them out. Uh, go to the forums um, and look, look up the year-end Video game review, it's it's up there. Yeah, and head over to head over to ifanboy.com and then ifanboy.com. Click on the forums link and check out the forums on Revision Three. Great community, great um, place to you know kind of talk with the other fans and stuff like that. And and we pop on there from time to time as well. So, 
Uh, yeah. Wow, I'm tired. I know. Totally. Anyway, so we need your money. Uh, go to iFanboy.com slash store um, if you've got more stuff to buy. Because everybody knows you buy shit after Christmas for yourself. You know, let's give them a present this year. Let's not do the. Let's just close the, the show. Ending. Let's just wrap up the show. You know it. You love it. <laughs> I got the plug in for the thing, so I'm cool. <laughs> so just Twitter. I, oh, sorry. No, wait, don't. Head over to iFanboy.com. You can find everything you need there. And to, low dot, low dot. Yeah. If this is your first time listening to our show, we're sorry. Go look at the other. Look at the normal shows. <laughs> yeah, either that or you'll be really disappointed next week. It was so short. They only talked about comics. So thank you, everyone. We had yes. a great year. This Good was, year. You have no idea how satisfying this was for us. Josh has lost it. <laughs> You're going to make me cry. Stop. <laughs> Who's got a bell we can ring? This just came in from London. <laughs> Mr. Gower Cable, do you need money? Stop. <laughs> My office instructed to give you up to $10,000. Stop. $10, Hee-haw and Merry Christmas. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. Uh, All right. Until next year. Jitter's full. <laughs> what was that? I don't know. <laughs> Josh is broken. That's Josh. I'm Ron. I'm Connor. Thank Still you. Josh.